Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, a couple games last night that might have caught your attention. The Utah Jazz messed up a perfectly winnable game and lost to the Memphis Grizzlies. Did it have to come down to that? Absolutely not. Should the Jazz have won? Of course they should have. Was there a whistle at the end of the game the Jazz fans will be complaining about tomorrow morning? You bet there was. But the big takeaways, the big lessons from this, the Jazz do not have a championship mentality right now. They are losing focus in a heartbeat. They get up 8 or 10 points, and the focus goes away. The energy goes away. They turn the ball over, give up transition points. They give up offensive rebounds, second, sometimes third chances, and they let teams back into games. And you look at what the Suns are doing. They won again, extended their winning streak again. You look at the way the Warriors are winning. They've only dropped two games all year. Jazz aren't matching their level. Now, you don't win a championship for matching their level in November. I get that. But you got to play better. The way the Jazz are playing right now is not anything close to the level they have to play at to win. They have got to get better. They seem to know that and say all the right things in the postgame. And you will hear the postgame coming up uh, later in this hour. We'll play the best of the postgame show. Quinn hit on the right plays, and the, you know, at one point, in, in pretty late in his postgame, you'll hear him say, "Yeah, and basically, almost half the points came off of second chance." opportunities and uh, transition points off of uh, turnovers and, you know, long missed threes. Well, that's not good enough. I mean, it's just not good enough. (laughs) You score 118 points, you've done enough offensively to win the game. Could they have won it on Donovan's last shot? Of course they could have. But that would have obscured the message. When you get up by 10 and you got the crowd going nuts, and actually I think they're up by 11, but whatever, you're up double digits at home in the third quarter, you got the momentum, pull away. Stretch the lead to 15 or 20. But instead, three minutes later, it's a tie game. Well, that's not good enough. You're playing a 500 team at home. You're healthy. You got all your guys. You're not going back to back. There's no excuses here. You're up 10 or 11. You got the momentum. You got to pull away. You can't turn the ball over, give up points in transition, give up second chance points, and in the final minute of the game, foul them and send them to the line three times. Man, if we've learned anything from analytics, the most efficient point place on the court to score is the free throw line. And Quinn Snyder has said, we've got to defend without fouling. And then with the game on the line, they foul and they foul and they foul again. And they were giving up second chance points before they were fouling. It was a comedy of errors. Donovan Mitchell sounded uh, chastened after the game. He shot the ball very poorly. Um, Rudy Gobert, after the game, you'll hear him talk about yeah, I got sucked in too deep. I looked at John Moran. I thought I'd go down there and challenge the shot. But then he left his man on the perimeter and he gave up a three-pointer. John Morant did not shoot the ball well. He was shooting like 30%. He was probably going to go in and force and miss a contested shot because he did a lot of that in the game. If he made it, it was tied, and the Jazz had a chance to go down and win it or they go to overtime. The only way to lose in regulation was to give up a three, and Rudy left his man and gave up a three. Merck Benjaris a long time ago said, you got to know time and score. Rudy didn't know time and score. I mean, he knew it after the game, so if he doesn't do it again, great. But, you know, in the moment, he got too far into the paint and couldn't recover to the three-point line. Uh, Mike Conley, as usual, 
uh, knows the problem and can diagnose it. Now, can you change it during the game is obviously more important, but you're going to hear him say about their lost focus, and it's just spot on. They had multiple opportunities to put that game away. They were up by six, and they gave up a 7-0 run to close the game. And you can go back to the third quarter when it looked like they were going to pull away and open up a big, comfortable lead, and they didn't do it then. And there were other opportunities in between. So we'll play all that for you coming up uh Coming up later, the Jazz three-game losing streak is over, and they fall to Memphis, and now they go to Oklahoma City for a game Wednesday and back home to play New Orleans at home on Friday and again on Saturday. Saturday's going to be a weird night. The Jazz are going to be playing the Pelicans. USC is going to be playing uh, BYU at the Coliseum in football. Meanwhile, the BYU basketball team will be playing the Utah basketball team. And you're going to have the Jazz starting at 7, and the college hoops at 7.30, and then the football game at 8.30. So... Prepare for a lot of TV Saturday night. Everything's overlapping. Everything's everything's meeting up at once. All right, and then the other game last night, um, on, on a week when a lot of division leaders went down to defeat, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did not. They got the win. They took care of business. They beat the Giants like they were supposed to. The uh, Bucks went out and scored on their opening drive. It was 7 nothing. They went right down the field. The Giants kicked a field goal, and... Uh, Really didn't do a lot right after that. Uh, Daniel Jones threw a couple of interceptions. He threw an interception rolling right back to the middle of the field when there was no receiver there. Maybe he thought the lineman blocking was a receiver, I guess. It was an embarrassing interception. It was not a good NFL play. It was not remotely close to what you need at an NFL quarterback. Was it the butt fumble? No. Was it close? Eh, kind of. It was embarrassing. Uh, and then the Bucks just pull away, and they, they win 30-10. to 10. They win pretty comfortably. Uh, they were up at halftime, and uh, they came right out and scored on their first two possessions in the, in the third quarter and turned a 7-point lead into a 17-point lead, and the Bucks get the win. So there you go. All right, DJ and PK, got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to go up to the uh, hill. Kyle Whittingham, his press conference after the big win over Oregon. Uh, he talks about that, looking ahead to Colorado, and also looking to changes in recruiting. And uh, where recruiting is trending, and he gets into uh, gets into quite a bit of recruiting talk. Everything changing, um, you know. Guys make their commitments, then coaches get fired. Now you got to go think. Oh wait, that that school got that kid. We liked him. Maybe we need to go talk to that kid again. And then he talks about the growing importance of the transfer portal. <laughs> we thought the transfer portal went nuts, and he says, "Oh, the transfer portal's really going to go nuts, in my opinion, this year." So, and with all the coaching changes, you can see it. You know, you go to play for a coach, and you got all the guys who've been blown out already. And then you got the guys who are still about to get fired, and then you got the people who have jobs who are going to leave to get a better job. Kind of what happened with Blake Anderson leaving uh, Arkansas State to Utah State. So uh, you can see why Kyle says what he says. So we'll hear from Kyle coming up next on the best of the Jazz post game show. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Huh! Huh! The Aggies look to keep their hopes for a division title alive as they hit the road for a battle against New Mexico to wrap up the regular season. Catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the Aggie pregame this Friday morning at 10 a.m. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to go to Kyle Whittingham's press conference. They won the Pac-12 South. He talks about the win over Oregon. Looks ahead to recruiting because the more you win, and they just won the division for the third time in four years, the more players and high school coaches and players' parents are all looking because everybody wants to be part of a winner. Kyle Whittingham on recruiting and the win over Oregon here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Okay, uh, first of all, big shout-out to our fan base uh, for the game Saturday night. Incredible atmosphere. Uh, just the, the place was, uh, the environment was as good as it's ever been. And I uh, really appreciate our fans for coming out and supporting our guys and uh, hope they enjoyed the game. Um, and it was uh, really uh, something that we'd like to continue to repeat over and over, having that same environment in, in Rice-Eccles. Um, to start out, I want to shout out to Devin Lloyd as well. He's been named a, a finalist for the Buckus Award. And uh, I'm not sure how much longer. When does that award get finalized and named? either on or December 7th. Okay, so the next couple of weeks it'll be it'll be uh, coming down to the wire. So we're proud of Devin and what he's done for us here at Utah. He's having a terrific year and uh, definitely a uh, you know just a, uh, one of the top linebackers in the country and deserving of uh, being a finalist for the Buskis Award. So um, I thought our guys played really well Saturday night, all three phases. Um, you know, the, the real objective defensively was to take away the run. And uh, I think our guys did that without question, held them to 60 uh, and some odd yards and and uh, really played sound defensive front football and, and gap control. Um, thought that uh, some of the biggest uh, key situations of the game or, or stretches of the game, number one, uh, when we took over with about 2.05 left on the clock into the first half and put together another outstanding two-minute drive and, and scored to go up 21-0, very uh, similar to what we did last week against Arizona. And so that was a key drive to put us up 21-0. Uh, after the ensuing kickoff, we get a three and out and are able to have the second, probably the biggest play of the game and the second uh, critical element of the game was uh, Cubby's punt return. That that really was a, a huge momentum uh, builder going into halftime. And so uh, if you had to pinpoint one play in the entire game that was the, the key, it would have been that one. And then the uh, the final situation was we came out in the second half, uh, didn't have a very good opening drive with our defense. They went down and scored, but our offense promptly went right down the field and answered to go up 35-7, and it was pretty much uh, over at that point. So, so again, proud of our guys' offense uh, for I don't know how many weeks in a row it's been now. It sounds like a broken record where they've been uh, outstanding only had eight possessions. You know, we didn't pile up the yardage. I think we had 386-ish uh, right in that range. And uh, But on eight possessions, that's pretty good Pretty good production. And 38 points on eight possessions is, is really good. So with the games uh, being – they're trying to shorten the games and get the clock moving quicker and all that, the possessions are down. I mean, you don't have as many possessions as you used to. I remember uh, 20 years ago, you'd have 14, 15 possessions in a game and just don't have that anymore. So, so it's a little bit different in that respect. But our offense did make the most of uh, of the possessions they got. Uh, special teams, other than the Covey uh, punt return, were solid. Uh, we only punted twice. Did a nice job in those situations. Uh, kickoff coverage was was solid. Uh, had a couple kickoff returns. We haven't had many opportunities 
net this year, but uh, did uh, some good things on those returns and uh, made all our PATs, made our field goal. So overall, uh, a very positive night. And uh, now we move on to Colorado. Uh, it's all about the seniors this week, uh, seniors and the and the juniors that are uh, planning on moving on. And so we want to send those guys out the right way. And uh, it's important that uh, we take first things first and don't get ahead of ourselves. Uh, regardless of the circumstances of the situation, we can't sit here and worry about who we might or might not play in a couple weeks. That's not that's not the point of emphasis and the focus. The focus is Colorado Buffaloes. They're playing good football. They beat Washington um, the other day. And, and so we've got to uh, turn all our attention, all our focus, all our efforts to uh, the Colorado Buffs, which we will. So questions? Kelly you mentioned the senior day, obviously, but if I, if I understand it correctly, you have 10 seniors listed, obviously have a bunch of juniors. Do you have a good understanding of how many at this point will be honored on Saturday? Uh, yeah, we'll probably have about 15 to 17 guys. Uh, walk, I guess you could call it, you know, come out for, for the senior uh, introduction. Now, now, that doesn't mean that every single one of those guys that's a junior is definitively making a decision to move on. It's, you know, we could very well have some guys that, that go through that ceremony that decide to come back, which we'd, we'd welcome them. And so uh, it's better to err on that side than to not have them walk. And then if they leave, not to recognize them. And so uh, I would guess uh, 15, 16, 17 guys will make that walk. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, 10 of them or so are are uh, true seniors, if that is a thing anymore, and uh, don't have any more eligibility. Is Covey one of the guys that will walk on? Uh, uh, we're not going to, you yeah. know, in case they change their mind between now and then, I just don't want to, I don't want to, uh, uh, you know, just, just screw things up with that. So, so there, there's, and some of them are still deciding. It's not 100% set now which ones are going to walk and which aren't. But that's just a ballpark guess. Kyle, talking about the you know, you've had off on this team over the last two years, I mean, it really hasn't changed as far as the leadership. Mm -hmm. But for, for what for what these guys had to go through over the last year, and then seeing them come in as you know brand new to to, to the college scene, how 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 has their their development been? And you know them obviously being really good leaders the last two years. Well, we've had outstanding leadership, and uh, we've needed it. Uh, you know, we've been through, as we all know some uh, absolutely horrific events and uh, the leaders have stepped up and couldn't be more proud of, of how they've handled things and how they've kept things together and uh, it's uh, you know that and that's the mark of a, a really good football team has really good leadership and and right now we're playing pretty good football and, and I attribute uh, a great deal of that to the uh, the leaders on the football team You've obviously been spoiled in your playoff hopes in 2019. You spoiled Cutler or, or Oregon. What, what does the conference have to do to kind of be back in that playoff discussion? I mean, what what, what do you feel is the best course for you guys? <laughs> well. Um... <laughs> You know, the Pac-12, we've said it for a lot of years in a row now, is very competitive, very balanced. Uh, nobody's has seemed to be able to have that, not seemed to, nobody's had that breakout year where where you go through the, the league unblemished and, and through the season undefeated. And that's, that's pretty what it takes, pretty much what it takes with the four-game, four, or the four-team format. And so we just have been uh, uh, beating each other up a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think when they do eventually make the move. I don't even know when that's scheduled to happen. I, I guess I should know, but soon they're going to expand and and uh, think that will make things uh, a better situation for everybody, not just us, but for the entire country. I'll just follow up on what Josh said. You've said in the past that you're 
that you're in favor of a 12-team format. As things move along here, are you still in favor of 12, if not more. Even more. You know, 16, I think, would be ideal. Yeah. But but 12 is a, a big step in the right direction. And uh, I think 16 will, would uh, be the, the ultimate. But uh, it's not going to go there right away, from what I understand. What do you make of the, the buffs with their, you know, it, they, they had a really good year last year. You guys went over their place and beat them. But it seems like they've had a little bit of a down year, even though coming off of a win against Washington. Yeah, they've got four, you know, four wins this year: the Huskies, Oregon State, Arizona, and and uh, was Northern Colorado, I believe, was their fourth win. And so, uh, you know, they've had uh, some ups and downs this season, as as we all have. But uh, they're well coached. They got some good players. And uh, like I said, they're coming off a win at Wa uh, against Washington, which uh, gives them momentum a lot. Like when we played Arizona a couple weeks ago, and they had coming off a win and were really juiced up for the game and and. Uh, Ready to go. Expect that same thing from the Buffaloes. They have a, a pretty good linebacker in, in, in Landman. Mm -hmm. Is he a guy you've got to keep your eye on at all times? Yeah, terrific player. Uh, I guess he's been dinged up a little bit. Uh, hasn't played much as of late. Um, and uh, but he's yeah. I've been watching him for a lot of years now. He's he's really good. He's really good. I don't think he played at all in the Washington game, did he? I haven't really gotten to their defense yet. But, yeah. He was in for the victory formation. Sorry, DJ. Go ahead. But then, just kidding. <laughs> Is your defensive line here at a whole new level, holding Oregon to 63 yards rushing, considering what happened earlier against Oregon State, the way you say Oregon State? I would say relative to that, yes. You know, are we a finished product yet and where we need to be? No. Uh, we're still not quite uh, as big and strong as we need to be. We've got some freshman kids that next year are going to be 10, 15, maybe 20 pounds heavier, stronger. And uh, I think that's uh, really going to be a, a, a boost for us. But relative to some of the struggles that we had earlier in the season, we're playing much, much better football right now up front. And uh, as you saw in the game, we started three freshmen, Aliki Vimahi at tackle, Junior Tafunu at tackle, and Van Fillinger out at end. And so those guys just seem to be getting better and better as the weeks go by. And uh, again, we got work to do. And we're, we're uh, the future, I think, is very bright at that position. But right now, we've made a, a lot of progress from game one to where we are now. But we need to continue taking steps forward. With that, with that position, um, you've, you are, it's always been uh, a, a really big topic where you guys have always been strong at, at the mm -hmm. position on the D-line. And, you know, normally you're, you're bringing in and, and, and having to have these guys progress and develop. Right. Is, is that still the case or, or is it more just high-end talent where you guys just have to sharpen some things? Well, you know, you know, we had Vianney, who was our headliner at D-Tackle, get injured and was out for the season. And so that that uh, forced our hand a little bit to play more freshmen. And, and in the long run, it's going to be a positive. Um, I think that uh, Coach Puha, Sione Puha, our defensive tackle coach, has done a great job with those interior guys. And as I said, they seem to be getting better and better fundamentally and technique-wise every week. And uh, Coach Powell, the same thing with Van. Does that answer your question? I don't know. What, was that? Okay. Yeah, kind of lost my train of thought there for a second. With with uh, high school football getting done now, we see recruits playing other sports like basketball or getting to wrestling or things like that. What's your philosophy on uh, these kids playing other sports? Do you want them? Would you prefer them to stick to football? Or do you like to see them play other sports? Love to see him play other sports. Absolutely love it. Uh, that's a plus in recruiting. When we, that's one of the first questions we ask. What other sports do you play? And uh, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's a red flag, but, but when you hear a guy just plays football, 
the first thing he asks is why you know why why do you not uh, you know play other you know sports and and so I'm a big proponent of that I think as a high school player you should play everything you possibly can um, you know, I know there's a lot of guys who will disagree and, and parents who will disagree, but but uh, I think if you're truly a great athlete, then uh, you should uh, be a multi-sport guy. And, and like I said, we put a premium on that in recruiting, and that's that's on the positive side of the ledger when we're making our evaluations. This obviously isn't the first time doing this, but, you know, you've got one game left and you have the championship game. What, what does that go into with recruiting, knowing that a lot of teams may have that whole week to kind of shore up their, their thing before early signing day? What, where are you guys at and how do you feel about that? Well, it's definitely worth the trade-off. You know, being in the championship game is absolutely outweighs uh, losing some time in recruiting. Um, the best thing you can do for recruiting is win, and uh, you know, and the exposure and, and uh, playing in that game is is a big positive. Yes, we're going to miss out on four or five days of evaluations and contacts, but but uh, well worth the trade-off. And and uh, we have, you know, we'll take that scenario every single year. Is recruiting more? Uh elusive and ever-changing than ever before because coaches are getting fired in season, which would encourage kids to reopen recruitment. So do you see kids cycling in and out of commitments? Absolutely. And uh, you combine that with the portal, which, by the way, I think is going to go crazy this year. I think the portal is going to be its most active ever uh, this offseason. You're already seeing, seeing it really heat up. And so I think uh, between what you just mentioned as well as the uh, – the uh, ability to, to move and go without any penalty, it's going to be, uh, you know, it continues to change and evolve, and it will continue to change and evolve down the road. And, and uh, you got to make sure, in, in our opinion, that you save uh, X amount of scholarships, hold them back for, for uh, portal kids, because uh, oftentimes they don't, uh, you know, they're not in until late in the game. And so you got to be able to have some, some scholarships in your pocket to, uh, to accommodate that. With the portal and holding up the scholarships, how does that change this year just with the number of initial counters for this year going from 25 uh, to 30? Yeah, that's a big help. And uh, I think it was a great move by the NC2A to do that. And uh, it's still... Uh, you still got to balance it. I mean, uh, there's not a, no doubt that the the uh, the basis of our recruiting and the, the uh, you know, the... Uh, the, the place where we recruit the most is the high school athlete. I mean, that's it's not gonna that's not gonna change. Don't see that changing. But now it's been supplemented by the portal. And I think that what what level has really suffered is the junior college recruiting. I think there's far less opportunities for junior college players because teams seem to be either going the high school route uh, and then com- or going the high school route and then combining that and supplementing that with with. Uh, portal guys with transfer guys rather than the JC guys. JC guys used to fill that bill, but now it's it's shifted. Does that make the fact that Tavion found his way to you kind of more remarkable just yep. the whole landscape? It does. Too. It does because if you look historically uh, going back 25 years, we always had six, eight, ten JC guys pretty much in every class. Right. And now that number has shrunk to one, two, or three. So. Now following up on that, with, with recruiting, obviously you can't, like you've mentioned, just go all in on transfer portal right. to have that high school development. But do you feel like you have a good balance or do you have a specific number that you're looking for each year when you're trying to go through the transfer portal? Not really a specific number. Uh, it just depends on the specific needs for that year. And also... Uh, uh, the reason you keep some of those uh, scholarships in your pocket is because the needs are not uh, manifest yet. You know, you have two or three guys transfer out from a certain position group that can be very damaging. You better have something uh, in your pocket to be able to to uh, get that situation rectified. Thank you.
would I make of uh, Dan, Dan Mullen getting fired at that point? Yeah. Tough news. Uh, I really like Dan. He, he obviously we were here together uh, back when Urban was here. Outstanding football coach, but it just illustrates uh, the mentality and, and uh, the nature of the beast. This you know in, in this day and age, and and uh, you know with the money that's being made and and uh, you know the instant gratification and people wanting results now. That's how it is. If you don't like it, you don't have the stomach for it. Get out of the profession because it's not going to change. In my opinion. Coach, with the way you guys have played over the last month, is recruiting momentum like a real thing? Have you guys noticed more interest in momentum? In terms yeah, of I would say yes, and uh, we hope to uh, get some more commitments here down the stretch. Um, and I think it's directly tied, or at least uh, somewhat tied, to the uh, success we've had the last uh, six, seven weeks of the season. The success you've had with your offensive line, is that because you have been able to kind of get it set, or is that because guys are just learning, improving, and getting better? Both. It, both. Uh, we, you know, took us a minute to to get things situated. You know, we lost Jaron Come for the season, and we had to shuffle the deck a few times. And but then we had guys getting better and and uh, and stepping up and, and improving their play. And it's a credit to them and, and to Coach Harding for for getting that done. And uh, they also, uh, you know, we're getting picked on a little bit. I shouldn't say picked on, but uh, a little bit. Uh, Maligned early in the season and and uh, kind of challenged them and they uh, they responded. Coach, now that you've had the Sunday to reflect on it, I know the walking line is credit to the assistants and players and whatnot, understandably so. But what does 142 wins mean to, to Kyle Whitney? Well, it's been a long journey and a, and a long. Uh, a long grind, I guess you could say. Although I loved every minute of it, but but uh, I really don't have a different stance or a different take. I mean, it's it's uh, again. I just feel grateful that I could be at one place and uh, have the opportunity to build so many relationships and have so many outstanding players come through and coaches. So I I guess I'm not saying anything different than uh, I've said the last couple of weeks. But but uh, truly, am feel very blessed. That's kind of the bottom line. How, how cool was it to see Tyler Huntley make his, his first NFL start? Awesome, and to see him win the game, and, and uh, you know those two late touchdown drives. I texted him today and, and told him, you know how, how uh, proud we are of him, of him, and and uh, he's one of the most competitive, toughest kids that's ever come through here, and and uh, doesn't surprise me the success he's having because he was driven. He's a he's absolutely uh, uh, he's a football junkie and just loves everything about the game and every day every minute of every day he's doing something to make himself better so proud of Tyler all right there's Kyle Whittingham when we come back the best of the post game show stay with us it's game week for the Aggies and the zone sports network is getting you ready for kickoff the Aggies look to keep their hopes for a division title alive as they hit the road for a battle against New Mexico to wrap up the regular season. Catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the Aggie pregame this Friday morning at 10 a.m. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK at 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Jazz lost a very winnable game at home to the Memphis Grizzlies. 
Here is the best of the postgame show as Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder and star players explain what went wrong. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. Tough loss last night for the Jazz. They lose to the Grizzlies 119 to 118. A game the Jazz thought they had in the books. Give up some offensive rebounds late. A tough turnover of 14 seconds to go by Donovan Mitchell. And then, of course, a uh, inadvertent whistle on a missed free throw leads to a jump ball, leads to a Jaron Jackson Jr. three point bucket and the Jazz lose 119 to 118 big night for John Morant 32 points Desmond Bain at 28 Jaron Jackson at 26 for the Jazz uh, Bogdanovich led the way of 24 Rudy at 23 and 13 uh, Mike Conley with a nice game 19 points 8 assists Donovan Mitchell at 18 on 5 of 20 shooting Whiteside at 12 coming in off the bench let's get some post game sound let's start off uh, with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder what would you like to go on that last look well, you know, Donovan was open really quickly early, um, but we, you know, we got the ball back, um, back to Donovan, I should say. So we have the ball in our best player's hands in the middle of the floor. And, um, you know, you always want to get a, a cleaner look. thought Rudy got pushed out um, by the initial screen. And, uh, you know, he eventually got flat and gave Donovan space, but, you know, I don't, I don't think that, you know, what, what hurt us was giving up offensive rebounds, um, particularly, you know, late. And, you know, obviously the last, the, the last free throw, um, you know, we secured the ball, but that's the rule. Um, regardless of when they blow the whistle, but again, you know, giving up um, the two ends of the possession, you know, our transition defense and our defensive rebounding, you know, those scored 50 plus points on those two areas. Um, you know, fast break points can usually add a dozen points to those as far as what's considered a fast break and what's considered, you know, kind of in the flow and transition. So I think, you know, if we, have right focus in those two areas where we're not in a position that we're in at the end of the game. Just getting that coach back two areas that we kind of talk about consistently after some games like this, what do you do to kind of try to all, I mean, I'm sure you're sick of like No, I mean, I think you do everything you can, you know, and we've, Hopefully, you know, there's situations sometimes you, you know, you learn the hard way, as they say, Um, you know, but it's something that, you know, we're going to need to be able to do to win. And it's it's just that simple. And tonight highlighted highlighted it, but there's been some other games where we've had the same, you know, the same situation. Offensively, Mike had uh, well, actually Mike had a good game, kind of running the control with with Rudy. And I guess when you're going down the stretch of a game like that, and you know Mike had several opportunities there, and then Bogey is shooting as well as he did. Mm-hmm. How are you deciding who to get the ball? You know who to get the ball to essentially? Yeah, I mean Donovan was handling, and it was either Mike coming out um, out of the nail, kind of like he'd been doing, or Boyan coming out. Um, I mean, the other end of the free throw and Boyan came out and got the ball. He'd been getting shots off the ball. So that's, uh, 
you know, our execution down the stretch, you know, wasn't what it needed to be, um, you know, for a number of possessions. And then we did get some, you know, some good looks when, when we executed, um, what you mentioned, Boyan got those threes where, you know, our timing was good, but, um, again, that's, you know, when you have different guys that are making plays, you know, Donovan traditionally has been that guy down the stretch. Um, but as you said, you know, those are, um, you know, however you, handle attacking a matchup or, you know, that that's, that's something that we'll continue to, to do and make those decisions. And um, in this instance, we didn't get as good a look with Boyan, obviously, as we wanted. Um, and again, you know, not to, you, you want to be better at everything. And, you know, we, we've executed really well um, in fourth quarters, um, but we, you know, we didn't, we didn't tonight, but again, I, we're, we're just not in those situations if we take care of things that we can control. Yeah, John Rand and Desmond Bain both had good scoring nights. And I'm yeah. just curious what you, how you evaluate your defense. Well, you know, Bain got going early um, with a couple transition situations. Um, you know, I don't know what, you know, numbers were from the floor. You know, Brent's 9 of 30, so I mean, he's going to attack. And, you know, the biggest play he made was the, the tip on the free throw rebound. Um, you know, and Bain, obviously, um, like I said, I thought, you know, we lost track of him a couple times. A couple times there were offensive boards where he was loose and a couple times in transition. So, you know, I'd like to think we could do a, a better job. You know, like I said early, I think he did he have their first seven points. Um, or five of seven, so he, he got some clean looks early. Um, but you know, from that standpoint, you know, they scored half their points in transition on the offensive glass. So, um, both those guys, you know, I thought we made Morant work. Um, uh, thought we could have done a little better job on Bain in the half court a couple times. Um, but for the most part, I'd have to watch the tape and see exactly where his buckets came. You know, we got lost on a couple of staggers, screens. He turned the corner on a couple of dribble handoffs where, you know, maybe we, we could have switched sooner and gotten our bigs up on him. But I thought we did a good job of that versus Ja. You talked about execution in the fourth quarter previous to that and then also in earlier quarters in other games. Do you feel like it seems like there's been sort of a left not to close quarters that you guys haven't been closing quarters very well. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, I think I think in general it's something that we fight as a group that, you know, when whether it's you know, it's been at the beginning of the game, you know, tonight, um, it's been at the end of quarters. You know, our our focus um, you know, on on competing through the little things um, and executing um, isn't, isn't there. And then it's there for a while and we build a lead and then our focus lets up. And that's been, um, there's been a couple of times when, you know, we've really sustained it and that consistency, you know, is what, what you need. I mean, they're, they were obviously coming off a tough night last night and we knew we were going to be in the type of game that we were in. Um, but again, there's, there's certain things that we can control. And those are the things that as much as anything focus on. And obviously, 
you know, focus on the execution, both on the offensive and defensive end, but on the front end and the back end of the possession, if we don't take care of those two things, um, we just make it a lot harder on ourselves. There you go. Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder in a tough loss for his team, 119 to 118. Let's go now to the players. Let's start with Boyan Bogdanovich. On the final look that got. I mean, the play was designed for him. He's the, he's the man and best player. So, of course, if he's going to have a last, last shot. So, I mean, he had a one on one with the all kind of kind of side for 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 himself he, he shot a ball so unfortunately he missed it but uh but overall i think that he's that's his shot so there's no any any difference between that shot and the shot that he was taking like whole game or for whole season so i think that it's for him and and, and the type of player that he is that's a, that's a good look Kind of have a zero building lead and then losing focus for a while. What do you guys do about that? I mean, yeah, of course, our our focus got to be got to be better. And 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 those minutes are when we play great defense. Then we are we are able to run and then have easy easy layups or easy easy threes like like we had in um uh, in the second quarter. But uh but at the end, it's again came to. Our energy and, and effort. I mean, they had again sixteen offensive rebounds. I I think so. That's for this kind of game. That's 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 too much. What are you most disappointed in this loss? I mean, every every loss hurts, and also the atmosphere was was great. Kind of playoff atmosphere. <laughs> they lost by forty. The game before, so they came with a uh, with different energy. But uh, but like I say, our, our focus and, and and our effort gotta be gotta be very better, especially on uh, on transition defense and uh, and uh, defensive rebounds. I mean, we are talking about this again, so that's what it is. Why is it been such a struggle to kind of get these things and to not have these things keep popping up? I mean, we gotta be, we gotta be focused. All, all of us is not just one player, and you can take him out, or, or you can blame, blame him. It's, it, it's all group that, that, uh, that is not doing the, the great job on transition defense and, and defensive glass. So, so like I said, we gotta be more, more focused. We had like good two, three games in, a, in a row after, after those games that we, that we lost. So we gotta, we gotta get back on, on track and. Uh, I know, okay, see. You really started to heat up in the fourth quarter. What was working for you individually and the team whole during that stretch? I mean, they were they were trying to to hedge hedge Donovan in pick and roll, so I was I was able to get a to get a two open open looks in a, in one minute, and then it was kind of kind of floor opens up for me, and I had a had that corner three. But uh, like I said, again, it's it's not about our our offense. We scored almost 120 points, so it's it's all about our transition defense and and, and defensive glass. There's Boyan Bogdanovich, who was lights out shooting the ball, but it wasn't enough. 7-11 from three, 8-14 from the field, 24 points in the loss. So let's now hear from Rudy Gobert. Three possessions in a row, we give up offensive rebounds. You know, so it's uh, I mean, just uh, just too many too many mistakes for, for a team that we 
that has the kind of experience that we have, you know, it's uh, it's not really acceptable that like we don't get on the same page offensively and we don't rebound at the end of the game. So just uh, it's a tough loss. You know, we just got to remind ourselves, you know, especially when, you know, it's, it's go time. I mean, we... Those guys played. A, it was a hard battle the whole game, but we, we get in a position when we get up six at the end. Like we, we gotta be connected. We gotta have our head and uh, we gotta get those rebounds. You know, it's uh, that's how you finish games. That's how you finish possessions. From your perspective, what happened on the uh, the free throw? Just a bad call. I mean, the, I don't want to put the game on that, but it didn't help for sure. <laughs> But yeah, it shouldn't be the tip. You know, we had the rebound and they called, uh, they blew the whistle after we had the rebound in our hands. And they realized that there was no reason to blow the whistle. So we ended up with a, with a jump ball. Uh, I could have won the jump ball. We could have won the game that way too. But uh, yeah, just a lot of uh, small things that just add up and we end up in a loss. And then what happened on the ensuing after after Memphis wins the tip? What kind of happened defensively? Uh, I overhelped. I, uh, uh, I got stuck in the paint a little bit too 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 deep. You know, I thought Jav was going to get to the rim, but uh, Mike did a great job defensively, so I should have uh, I should have stayed a little uh, further on the shooter. And you know, you're up two. Uh, make Jar hit a tough two, maybe, and um, play the overtime. We should get play the overtime. That's Rudy Gobert, 23 points, 13 boards, five block shots for Rudy uh, last night in the loss. Let's keep the player sound going. Let's now hear from Donovan Mitchell. I, mean, I should hit it, but there are a few things, you know, just getting in there, going right. You know, I got a shot that I wanted. You know, I'll take it. You know, I'm, I turned it over possession before. That's what I'm really, you know, on a move I make a thousand times. So that's that was that's where my head is at right now. It seems like you guys have kind of had up and down problems where it's like you get a little bit late and then you can't really close out quarters yeah. or close out the game in a sense. Why why is this continuing? Just we let up, you know, and that's a team that wanted this win bad. And we just can't let up. That's the biggest thing. Like keep our foot on the gas and you know, credit to them. They they came out and willed the way willed their way to a win. So a few games now where we talked about where it's been kind of consistent thing to defensively back the transition defense. Uh how frustrating is it that these problems keep popping up and, and what do you guys do about it? It's on us at this point. Like there's really not much else to say, Eric. You know, to be honest, it's just we gotta do it or this happens, you know, like stuff like this happens, you know, we can't put it on two plays. It's a consistent thing over and over again. So we got to, we got to lock in as a group one through 15, 17, how many guys on our team? We got to do it. Just really. I mean, they got three offensive rebounds down the stretch. Um, I turned the ball over. You know, even if we miss a shot, like, we got to be able to close defense. We got to be able to get hits. We got to be able to, you know, when the team gets second look, we play good defense, and then we give them another look, and it's hard, you know, to guard three times in one possession. So um, we got to get hits, man. We got to box out. We got to get back in transition because – and also we got to turn the stop turning the ball over. Like, you know, that makes it harder for us to get back in transition. So once we do that, we'll be in better shape. 
you were by the twenty. Was that something they were doing defensively, or is that you like the shots you were getting? Missed some shots. Uh, credit to them. You know they 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 guard it well, but I just missed some shots tonight. It happens. Um, but yeah. There's Donovan Mitchell, 18 points and 5 of 20 shooting, uh, 8 assists and 6 boards as well for Donovan. Tough turnover and uh, talked about how tough uh, it's uh, how they know how to close out games, just need to do it. Let's wrap up the player sound with Mike Conley. You know, I think the, they made a few plays defensively, got in transition, maybe get to the free throw line. Um, obviously, we had some, we had the free throw and the goal 10 situation and at that point, um, you know, it comes down to, you know, 14 seconds and, and they made the plays um, and we didn't make come. That's what it comes down to in a game like this. And um, I think that before that six point lead, I think we, we had opportunities to, to push it up a little bit and um, just never really got to, to get over that hump and let them hang around too long. And they've got guys who make plays and, and they made them at the end of the game. You had the pick and roll going, you know, especially early through well, three quarters and first half of the fourth, and then so that and heck, even up to the last two minutes. Did you kind of go away from that, or I mean, how do you decide whether or not and kind of what you're running like down the stretch like that? Um, it depends. You know, we 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 like the matchup that we had going with the pick and roll, what we were doing, and um, we we're just trying to find different ways to to get in the paint, and make plays, and. In the game, Donovan, you know, Donovan's the guy, and we try to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. And, um, you know, some nights we – it works, some nights it doesn't, and that's just what it is. But he's going to be our guy, you know, night in and night out. And um, and we just, you know, at that point in the game, two, three minutes left, we just weren't able to get to the, the deep corner situation and, uh, and, and get there. And they did a good job of, you know, forcing us and other stuff. And we just got to be better as a whole when it comes to executing. Um, late game. John Desmond both had 30. And, I mean, John was less efficient than Desmond was, but yeah, what do you see in your guys' defense on uh, I thought, you know, early our defense wasn't where it needed to be, especially on uh, Bain. I thought he, you know, kind of got some comfortable shots early. And um, once you get a guy like that who gets hot, it's, it's, it's tough. But uh, like you said, Jaws, he, we made him work for it. You know, he, he definitely uh, had to work for it. But um, we put him on a free throw line a few times. Um, I wasn't a fan of it. a few times, a couple of times we put him on the line. Um, but you know, that's what he does. He draws fouls and gets there and makes plays. So, um, I mean, obviously the transition is going to be what we talk about most games. Um, we didn't have court. We feel like we were one of the best in the league defensively. So, uh, getting back on defense is still going to be key for us to, to win games like this. Transition defense, defensive rebounding popped up again. Um, why has that been such a struggle for you guys this season? Um, you know, it's, it's tough. We know what we need to do. And, you know, we got to just – we got to want to do it more and, and be more consistent with it because uh, it's no secret. I think a lot of teams, they find that, you know, you don't want to be in half court. So let's push it. Like, just throw it up the court and see what happens and, and try to get easy baskets uh, against the Jazz. And, you know, once that's out there, teams are just going to continue to try to do that um, and, and give themselves the best chance of winning. So um, for us, it's just to continue to work, continue to, to you know, be accountable. I think we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of being stuck in the backcourt, yelling at a ref or, you know, our attention isn't on that part of the game. So um, we just got to be better. 
There's Mike Conley, 19 points, eight assists, four boards for Mike in the loss, 119-118 to the Memphis Grizzlies. There's the best of the postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Morant pushes the tempo into the front court, spins around an Adam screen, goes into the body of Whiteside, floats it up and in anyway, and Morant gets the hoop, doesn't get the harm. Pick and roll comes to get Bogdanovich on to Morant. He drives, Gobert cuts him off and blocks the shot. Picked up by O'Neal. O'Neal to the front court. O'Neal going coast to coast, flares to Bogey for a three. Yes! Donovan drives in the lane, off balance, throws to Bogey. Four on the clock, Hot corner, step back three. Yes! Boyan Bogdanovich is marvelous. Here comes Morant across half court. Conley guards him. He attacks in the lane. Throws it back out. Jackson for the lead. It's good. 5.7 seconds left. Timeout Jazz. Memphis leads. Morant downhill at Conley. To the bucket. Jumps it out. Jackson. Three for the lead. Bring it up. Put three on the board. Oh, what a drive and kick. And the Grizz are up by one. 119-118. What a turn of events in Salt Lake City. Yes, what a turn of events in Salt Lake City. The Jazz had a six-point lead. They gave up a 7-0 run. They turned the ball over. They gave up multiple offensive rebounds. They fouled multiple times. And they didn't know the time and score. Well, Rudy especially. As he just pointed out in the previous segment, it was a two-point game, and he gave up a three-pointer. That was the only way they could lose, and they did it, and they did lose. A long series of mistakes with the game on the line. That was the only way they could lose in regulation. Right. Uh, I grant you. Yeah, I don't know what Gobert was doing. Two things that really bothered me was Gobert was in no man's land. He was on the other side of the key mm-hmm. for Morant, and you leave a three-point shooter open, which Jackson is to a good degree, but it's like uh, I read a stat on uh, bringing the infield in. A 300 hitter becomes a 400 hitter. You leave a halfway decent three point shooter wide open where his feet are set and and it's like a you know a, a warm up type of three. Their percentages are going to go way up. Absolutely. And that yeah. seriously bothered me. And he was in no man's land. Go defend Moran if you want, but stay by Jackson. Where were you, what were you doing? And then the end there, the last five seconds. What was that? What play was that? Have stand around, no screens, no double screens, no staggers, no nothing, and then Joe's got to find somebody, Mitchell, and Mitchell running away from the basket. I thought he was going to run up the tunnel. What was he, Kawhi Leonard against uh, Philadelphia? There, he was going to run till he had no more space and turn around and throw up a three in a corner. I mean, that was a poorly designed play. And if you're going to go one on one, why isn't Clarkson in? Isn't he their best one on one player? Do you rather have O'Neal or Clarkson in that situation? Now, double check. I don't. I, I'm pretty sure that's what what the lineup was. I would have to double check. But I mean, no I know play? everyone knows Nothing? they're going to Donovan at the end, and I suppose they didn't bring the screen because they were afraid to bring the double team and force it out of his hands. Well, see, but I don't know basketball create, that well. But that could create an open shot for somebody else. So and then, I just it shouldn't have come down to that. again, Yak. That's it why he's in not. the Hall of Fame right it there. Should not have come down to that. Look at that. The fouls, the turnover, the offensive rebounds. Yeah, you go. I'm just gonna sit back. So many mistakes. Yeah, I mean you're a Hall of Famer now. Keep going. Jazz lose to the Grizzlies. Another home loss. Don't stop. 
<laughs> Sing it, PK. Desmond Bain knows the Jazz thought about drafting him and didn't. He likes to kick their butt every time he shows up. It's not like he's... It's first cousin to the, you traded me and gave up on me, and now we'll come back and light you up. It's you passed me over in the draft, and you could have had me. Yeah, there, were, there was, I think, three or four other teams, though. Does he do the same to them? Why the Jazz? Well, he got public with the Jazz. I don't know with the others. Maybe he does. I don't know. I mean, is he Rudy Gobert wearing 27, trying to hold everybody accountable? So you think Azubuke over Bain was a bad pick? It's not working out so far. See, that's why you're a Hall of Famer, because you can't offend. That pick sucked. What the <laughs> hell were they thinking? <laughs> See, that's why they I don't get size. nothing, and you're everybody's buddy. Yeah. Because that pick's not working out, versus that, that pick, pick sucked. sucked. <laughs> Desmond Bain, 28 Repeat points. Repeat after PK. <laughs> Four of eight from three points. Uh, Gave up a, they started the game by giving up a turnover and transition, and Bain hits a three. That was a it's bad like, draft. That was uh, They had three second-round picks, and none of them were players. Lou Dort was out there. But, I mean, it's tough to single out the Jazz because... You, Everybody passed on Lou Dort, including yeah. Oklahoma City. Yeah, and then other teams passed on Bain. Because I think it was uh, Azubuki 26 and Bain was 30. You have to double-check that, but I think that's uh, close to where it was. And in this world of three-point shooting, oh, my gosh, he could have had that kid. I don't know if he would have developed like he has in Memphis. And then you're thinking, uh, what's-his-face? Brooks from Oregon is out. Oh, that's an advantage. No, Bain goes for his career high. (laughs) Turns out to be a disadvantage. He probably doesn't get anywhere near that if Brooks is playing, but if Brooks has got a hammy, I think, something like that. As went 27. 27. And then uh, Lakers and Toronto... Jade McDaniels, Malachi Flynn. I have to check and see if those okay, picks were, light up the Lakers in Toronto. We're traded. Jazz are back in action tomorrow night. Oklahoma City to take on the Thunder. Tip off a set for 6 o'clock on AT&T Sportsnet. Hashtag NBA. Johnson's got it from Brooklyn. He'll move into the front court, put on the brakes, gives to Durant. The foul line, stumbling in the paint, left hand scoop, and it's good for KD. And the Nets take a 106-105 lead. Here's the Hornets. LaMelo using a Gordon Hayward screen, and he's perfect from 25 feet, near side wing. The three is good. Back-to-back threes for LaMelo. Two straight, I should say, and the Hornets lead by six. Sends out top to Allen, rifles it over to Connaughton. Connaughton unloads from three, and he rattles it through. It's beautiful right now. <laughs> it's beautiful right now. He's got now. a future in TV. Yep. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> Highlights around the NBA. The Suns win again 13 straight. They actually had some of the same issues the Jazz did. They had a big lead. They're up 11 with 2.46 to go. They made a mess of it down the stretch, but they were up three, not two, when they were confronted with a jump ball, and they didn't lose the jump ball. They won it. And they win by four. They hold off the Spurs 115-111. So, a few parallels, but the Suns do just enough right to get out of there with yet another win, 13 in a row. Yeah, I don't think the Jazz are going to finish with the number one seed in the West. It's not how it's trending right now. Do you think they're even going to finish with the number two seed in the West right now? Well, there's no difference between two and three as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so, uh, I'd have to double-check that. Probably not. 76ers beat the Kings. The coaching change is... Changed nothing so far. Alan Gentry's debut in Sacramento, 102-94 to Philadelphia. 
The Bucks trying to dig out of an early season hole. They had some injuries early. They had issues. A determined Giannis Antetokounmpo talking about how they're going to turn things around. And they're on a little bit of a roll right now. They're back over 500. They blow out the Magic 123-92. to Celtics get the gimme of the year. They beat the Rockets, who are sitting on one win. Everybody's beating the Rockets. Celtics win 108-90. to Who'd they beat? I don't know, but I can check that for you. I'm so shrewd, Yawk. Thank me later. <laughs> Why? Because you distracted me for a second? You won't bug them during the break. Oh, I'm checking right now. They beat the Thunder. Now I can bug you during the break. Sorry, Yawk. The Re- Thunder... Reason why I bring my headphones. The Thunder... We'll play the Jazz Wednesday. They lost to Atlanta 113-101. Trey Young went for 30 in that one. LeBron James suspended for a game. Isaiah Stewart for two games for the roles in the encore tussle they had Sunday. James will miss a game tonight in New York. Going to Madison Square Garden, but not happening. He's out. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Right elbow, pass over the top. Holmgren catches and makes it look so easy. Goes up, throws down a two-handed dunk. Zags head the other way, and it's Holmgren who hits the three. The drive in the dish. Chet's second made three of the game. Oh, there's a turnover. Boogie Ellis the other way. Boogie Ellis left-hand layup is going to go home. Goodwin turnaround flip shot. That one gets a roll. Chavez Goodwin is now six of seven from the field. He has a dozen. College basketball, Dixie State loses to USC. UVU crushes Idaho, 83-45. And Gonzaga routing Central Michigan, 107-54. Tuning up for big games with UCLA and Duke. Getting in their big non-conference schedule. Okay, the UC Los Angeles game is tonight at 8 o'clock on ESPN. And I am going to be watching that. I mean, that's one versus two if that matters for you. I've seen both of these teams play already two or three times this year. Uh, so I'm, and I, it's not like it has lasting implications, but it's a fun game two nights before Thanksgiving and the Jazz aren't playing. BYU into the top 25, ranked number 18. Who leaves first? Who leaves first, Pope or Sataki? Well, the calendar gives Kalani the advantage. He'll get first crack out of here in the next couple weeks. Where's BYU put their foot down? See, we've got our brethren. You're our guys. Here's the cash. And we're not going to allow this to happen. We're going to keep these two. We're going to ride them in the Big 12. If you believe... That BYU sports, particularly those two sports, really are missionary tools. And if you want to believe it, I have no problem with you believing it. Whatever your beliefs are, you're not hurting anybody, I'm fine with them. Then you've got to pay up. And that's just not talking about raising their individual salaries. There's much more that goes into it than that. Their assistance, the program, the recruiting budget, the facilities have to be top-notch, everything across the board. SUU's taking on Yale in the Fort Myers tip-off today. SUU making little news. Cal can't count. Cheated him out of free throws with 14 minutes left in the game. They made him. They didn't get credit for him. Didn't get credit for one. For one, yes. Yeah. One of the two. 
And the game ends up going double overtime. There's 14 minutes left when they messed up. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. One back set. Godwin in motion. Play action. Fake a pass on the right side. Caught ball a little low. Inside the 10. Five, three, two. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. What a play and a pass to Godwin. The touchdown is good. And the cannons are firing early on a Monday night. Cameron Brady will be a slot receiver left. Here's Brady dropping, looking. Throws a dart. Caught ball. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans. Tampa Bay beating the Giants 30-10 in a week that had a lot of division leaders getting beat. The Bucs avoid that. They get the win. Tom Brady throws for 307 yards and two touchdowns. Daniel Jones throws a horrible interception. And the Giants hang around for a while, but Tampa Bay blows it open early third quarter, and that was the end of that. Taysom Hill has a new contract in New Orleans. Pay him $40 million over the next four years if he remains in his current role in which he's the backup quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, does some special teams. However, the deal will be worth up to $95 million if Hill becomes the Saints' starting quarterback over the next four years. Deal includes $22.5 million in guarantees. Wow, man. Is he the richest backup ever? Good for him. Trying to think of backups who got a gazillion dollars. Matt Flynn, if you remember him going to Green Bay. Yeah, but it seems like this is his second one. But Matt Flynn wasn't expected to be a backup. That's a good point. He was just going to be a starter, yeah. I mean, a they've had that, too. And game. then the other guy, uh, well, Jimmy G and, and some other guys. There's another quarterback, too. Uh, I'm thinking, oh, like Kevin Cobb. Kevin Cobb. Oh, yeah. Matt Castle. Matt Castle was the one I was thinking of, yeah. He's made a lot of money in that right. castle bit. But they expected them to step up, and they didn't. Whereas Hill, he was paid even if he doesn't step up. I mean, that's awesome. That's great. I, I would I would actually try to find a position for him and get more out of him. I think he has way more to give. I think they're underutilizing him, and it's no longer a cute story. If he's going to be that good a receiver, let him have more snaps as a receiver. He's awesome. He's an, yeah. one heck of an athlete. We all know that. But I don't. I'd try to get him as a full time player, even if he bounces around to different positions, but still be a full time player without a singular designated position. If that makes but sense. But look down and see that he has more snaps. Yeah. On the field, wherever it is, even if it's multiple places. Jeez, I'd put him on both sides of the ball. What position couldn't he play? Well, they're not letting him start, and they're 5-5. Five and five. They were 3-1 and one when he started last year, which I know isn't the biggest sample size, but they're 5-5 five and five right now. So you're saying they're 500. by giving him a shot? A ball game. They're losing ball games anyway. So you're questioning Sean Payton? I am. You're so bold, questioning Sean Payton 3,000 miles away. Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield fired back at fans who booed him and his teammates multiple times Sunday telling reporters those are probably the same fans that won't be quiet while we're on offense and trying to operate. So don't really care. Yeah, that's good. I mean, get into nonsense with the fans. I mean, that's going to really help you in your opportunities to be successful. I mean, you look at all the great quarterbacks. They've always gotten into verbal they scuffles really, with the They fans. really haven't. <laughs> they really haven't. Creates another issue. It's another distraction. And the people who are booing him will probably just boo him louder. They're fans. And so you're expecting them to be logical? Get out of town. They're emotional. Once you invest emotion in it, a lot of times logic goes out the window. DJ PK.
Hashtag college football. UMass hires Arizona defensive coordinator Don Brown as their new head coach. Brown led UMass when they were at the FC level, FCS level, 2004 to 2008. They went 43 and 19 over five seasons. So. Well, that's good. They've sucked. And he's a well-known defensive coordinator, so it's a blow for Arizona, although he will coach in the Territorial Cup. Correct. He's a Massachusetts native. Uh, yes, and so uh, it's a little bit of a blow to Arizona, but those things happen. And if you're, you're going to count on your assistants to be with you the entire time, you're the fool. Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud, now the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Of course, you can bet on that at Caesars, Caesars Sportsbook. I'll That's put in 20 a on minus 220. Now that I'm free to bet, I'm going crazy. Alabama <laughs> quarterback Bryce Young second at plus 175. You didn't put any money on it. Just making a joke. There's no chance you're betting on the Heisman Trophy winner. That's the one bet I would make. Uh, no, I'm not. I have not. But yeah, I mean, he's just thrown like 9,000 touchdown passes in the last quarter. And that, <laughs> that'll get you the Heisman Trophy. And before we get off college football, in the Los Angeles Times, the paper of record on the West Coast, uh, forgive me, San Francisco Chronicle, headline, headline, USC coaching search, heat check, Matt Campbell and Kyle Whittingham gaining steam. I'm reading it right there with my very eyes. Jay Brady McCullough wrote this Tuesday, November 23rd, posted at 4.30 a.m. Not sure if that's East Coast. I don't know if they do like BYU TV or what. So I'm not sure of that 4.30, which time zone it's in. But I'm just reading it right here. USC coaching search, heat check, Matt Campbell and Kyle Whittingham gaining steam. And one of the leading columnists in the state is going to publish something today that talks about Kyle Whittingham's retirement. That'd be me. (laughs) (laughs) So you're not buying the LA Times stuff. They list as uh, they've got, they've had this several times. Uh... Sort of like an internet thing. I don't even know if it's in the actual print edition. It's a internet thing yeah. where they just they check in like it seems like weekly, yeah. right? Right. Hot is Dave Aranda from Baylor, uh, a local guy, and Baylor's having a great season. Warm. Uh, moving up, Matt Campbell, which I just said he's at Iowa State, obviously. Uh, medium, Luke Fickle, Cincinnati. New to Heat Check. He's making his first appearance in the Heat Check poll. Kyle Whittingham. This is Whittingham's a proven program builder. Uh, let's see. I included the Pac-12's best coach high in my initial list of 13 candidates in the day Hilton was fired. And then he went, they went one and two, and they got caught up in that, as if that mattered. That seems like 10 years ago, doesn't it? Uh... There are other reasons I'm not convinced Whittingham is a perfect fit, and he goes about his age. Uh, Namely, his offensive scheme does not accentuate the kind of skill talent that must thrive at USC. But if Bone, who's the athletic director, can't get one of the above trio, he would be smart to give Whittingham a call. See, I totally disagree that Whittingham's offensive philosophy would not accentuate. what When SC had it going on, what did they do? They ran the ball, they ran the ball, and then they go Single big back. on a play-action pass. Yeah. 
So that's what they were doing under Pete Carroll. And if you go further back than that, they just ran the ball, ran the ball, and they never needed the play-action pass because they were hitting everybody in the mouth all game long and winning. Student body right. Yeah. Student body left. So he's talking about this group under Harrell, but I assume Harrell will be gone. Be up to the new head coach. Uh, yeah, and, and he's been he's been a candidate of getting uh, jobs or a potential head right. coach. Right, well, it's what too. we just saw with, with Don Brown. It, mm-hmm. you're, you're a highly thought of coordinator. you got a link somewhere else. You know somebody, where you yeah, used yeah. to be. And their offense has been fine this year. Uh, it's all the other issues. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that – I don't think Kyle will take the job. I think he's going to be here a few more years. Some people talking this year. I personally don't think this year, maybe next year, the year after. Uh, and then he's going to go live a great life. And uh, he already does. But I would disagree with that offensive philosophy. Man, SC's glory days were right in his wheelhouse. Are right in his wheelhouse. Tavion Thomas. Who was Tavion Thomas? Now he's going to be the next NFL back. And he was bouncing around looking for a home. Yeah, we didn't even talk about him until like August 15th. And he couldn't stay on the field games 1, 2, and 3. Yeah, but how about four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten? That's when he got his 17 touchdowns and broke the school record. <laughs> he didn't do it. It's, he, that's not 17 touchdowns in 11 games. Look at his stats. There's solid three or four games. Gotcha. But the fumbleitis, that is old news. Everything's old news that ailed that program it's back in September. Touchdowns for BYU ought Thomas. to be grateful they're not playing them now. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> all right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Buster Posey, comeback player of the year, the Giants catcher Trey Mancini for the Orioles. Baseball continues well, to dish out awards. Mancini had cancer, and Buster did. He sat out last season. Uh, Hence, he came back. I know, but it it's not a real comeback. Yeah, it's you not, need to have like surgery. Or right, something, right, right. I mean, this this man had cancer. Yeah, for, right. That's for, a comeback. Yeah, stage three cancer for Baltimore. Yeah, but po- Buster Posey. I'll see you in Cooperstown in five years. And speaking of Cooperstown, David Ortiz, Alex Rodriguez, Ryan Howard, Tim Lincecum. Among 13 first-time candidates on the Hall of Fame ballot. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling making their final appearances. You get 10 shots at getting in the Hall of Fame. Before it goes to the Veterans Committee. Yes. But uh, Schilling got all pissed last year. I don't see how he's not a Hall of Famer. And I know his politics are out there. Uh, It's nothing that I would do, but I I think But his role on two World Series champions. Including a legendary two world championships teams, teams, more than two. Uh, Yeah, the bloody sock and all. He's such a big game pitcher, man. Yeah, he was. He's a strange cat. I give you that. Uh, Shadow Mountain High. Baseball is such a numbers-driven. You know, these are the standards, but the games change so much. And now it was changing when he was pitching. I think this is going to be more of an issue for the guys who are pitching now than the guys who were pitching ten years ago. But you're not going to win as many games if they pull you after yeah, five no, innings. You're not that. You're not going to strike out as many guys. And if you got a game, who are you giving the ball to, man? Well, obviously, people gave it to Kurt Schilling and he won them because they yeah. won World Series. Yeah. But if Clemens and Bonds aren't in, I don't see how Ortiz and A Rod are getting in. Agreed. 
And I, I, I want these guys in if for no other reason to go listen to their speeches. And, <laughs> and I wonder if they will leave it to the Veterans Committee or, hey, we didn't want to vote for you. We wanted to make you wait. But we see what your numbers are. We can pretty much pinpoint where you started eh, Started using steroids and you were going to make it anyway. And millions of guys did. Agreed. And, but with these guys, we know they were going to make it anyway. Bonds had a Hall of Fame career before his home runs went off the charts. He had a Hall of Fame career in high school. When he and was, in college with your son, though. He was identified from day one, literally. Yes. I'd put them all in and then put that's part of their story. And they have to address that. You can't just totally ignore it. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. No job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, question today on the way. After the Jazz loss last night, we will get to the Jazz defeat and what they've got to turn around. Frank Dolce is here to talk youth football at 8 o'clock. Dylan Cauley, former Cougar wide receiver, is here at 9 o'clock to talk BYU, DJ, and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Cougars hit the road for their final game of the regular season as they look to stay undefeated against Pac-12 opponents with a game in the Coliseum against USC. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday with the postgame show immediately following the game. Monday morning to the post-game press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair? It's 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. As I just play with my locks, I'd be upset if I lost my hair. I might have a beautiful head of hair, that's for sure. They can't take that away from me. They don't honor me like they do you every third day. But I know I've got my hair. And nobody could ever... Take that away from you. No. Or shave it off. No. And I don't even color it. It's just stayed natural of my youth. (laughs) It's not of your youth. Well, that's because you've shortened it. Actually, uh, my youth, I was more blonde. I've seen the photo. I agree. Yeah. Changed brown as I got older. That dark red on women, I think that's hot. <laughs> okay, good for you. <laughs> segment is off to an interesting start. <laughs> Yak, we've often said that the 7 o'clock listener doesn't know what PK is like in the 9 o'clock no, hour, but they're starting to get a taste of it. Yep. I'm just saying, man. I just like that color, man. <laughs> I just love the stream of consciousness, man. <laughs> well, you were bringing up the hair. I know. Thing, I know. So and sometimes we have a plan and it. we execute the plan. And sometimes you grab the wheel and away we go. <laughs> Off to entertainment land. We still got time for the plan. Absolutely. Go ahead. Anything this is else? planned radio. Any, any, <laughs> anything else you'd like to say about your, your golden locks of your youth? I support planned radio. <laughs> You got to put that photo out there. 
What photo? The one you, 17 years old and the full head of hair, it's, shoulder uh, length. It's the little thing on Instagram. It's there. Go to Instagram, people. It'll, it'll. The little <laughs> it'll thing in the laugh. corner there, it's yeah. there. A little avatar. There it is. I think that's the one I use. I don't really do social media that much, but uh, it's there. It's out there. PK and his glorious youth. It'll and blow actually, your mind. I've just gotten it cut because it had been longer. <laughs> yeah, it was the day after high school graduation. So because of the graduation, got it all trimmed up so you look good for the photos and all that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So it was still very long by today's standards for sure, but it was was cut. I used to get my hair cut twice a year. Every 6 months. Save the money, let the locks flow. I don't know if it was to save the money, 10 bucks. Yeah. I mean, I did pay for my own. My parents never did any of that. They didn't have the money. But it was just the way it was back then. Question of the day. As opposed to PK's hair. Why can't the Utah Jazz play consistently well? Yeah, it's dogging them. Without question. You were gunning for 31-5 and five yes. at home. Yeah, well, that and that's gone. Yeah, they're 6-3. and three. And they only had the five home losses last year. Now they didn't play as many home games. No. But it was still ballpark. Yeah, yeah. I raised my expectations. Now I'm not I'm not jumping off any roofs or panic button or any of that stuff, but the fact is right now, month in the season, they're they're not playing consistent ball. That is not debatable after yeah. the home losses to Indiana and Memphis. Yeah. It was a nice seven and one start, but they've gone four and five in the last nine games. Right, right, yeah. I mean, it's sort of spinning wheels right now, and losing home games is unacceptable. I mean, it's not no need to just make outrageous wholesale claims or changes or any of that stuff, but it's about accountability and having laser focus. But it's an interesting thing, laser focus. You know, we hear that expression. Because can you have the laser focus that you need in postseason in November? Not really. Do you need it? No. Do you want it? Yeah. You absolutely want it. And you're a little jealous because you see two other teams have it. Mm -hmm. The Warriors, a two-loss team out of the gate. We're getting to Thanksgiving here. That's very impressive. They're rolling. And the Suns? Stumbled in the first four games and then have been perfect, 13 in a row. So you want what they got. You want to be the best in the West. You want to go to the NBA Finals. You want to win the championship. And you got two teams that are clearly playing at a higher level. Right, but being the best in the West, uh, it, it pales in comparison to winning the Western Conference. Every team in the history of the NBA in the West would take winning the Western Conference over the number one seed. There's no doubt about that, obviously. So, you can't really compare the two. It's a nice goal. It's a nice achievement. It's good to have in your back pocket. But it's like having a high draft pick. If you don't cash in on that draft pick, the draft pick doesn't matter. You know. So, if you have the number one seed and you go out in the second round, the number one seed doesn't matter. It's the exact same thing. I could be drafting third and draft some stiff, or I could be drafting third or and draft Dwayne Wade or, or, or Michael Jordan or somebody, and I've got a Hall of Fame player. So just because you have something, if you don't take advantage of it, it doesn't really matter. So I'm not so caught up in the number one seed. I'm caught up in the moment 
of the inconsistency. And you can never take anything for granted. And you think that, well, they'll turn it on. Okay, I can think that. But do I know that? Can I guarantee that? I can't. Because they're healthy now, too. Right? No one's hurt. The Jazz were healthy. The Jazz were rested and had the day off. Memphis was coming in back-to-back. Again. On the road, a 500 team. Seems like we've had this story. Well, deja vu here. And you can't blame the schedule. It, you know, the Miami loss or the Orlando, you know, seven cities in, in four and a half hours and all this BS that we just make excuses for these guys as to why they lose. All right. What excuse you got now? Oh, the, the inadvertent whistle? That's the reason? We're going to go to that? Only have asked about it. The offensive rebounds were the issue. The turnovers were the issue. Even for the offensive problems they had, they scored 118 points, and that ought to win an NBA game. They're good enough defensively to make 118 a winning number, and it wasn't. They could have done better on multiple possessions, including the last one. Oh, yeah. But 118 on a winning game. Well, just like anything in these situations, there's several things that you can point to. And Quinn Snyder went right down the checklist in his post game, uh, as he, you know, most coaches will do. He doesn't make excuses. Uh, he didn't want to hear it. Uh, and you know, you can't you can't really point to A as if A is the overwhelming, uh, overriding thing because there's B, C, and D also, and maybe they're not as Big of a glaring issues, but they're still issues. And if you lose a one point ball game, you know, there's probably 50 plays you can look at, uh, accounting both sides of the court. But the fact is, they're just not playing consistent ball. There's times in games they're even lacking consistency. I'm just, I'm not sure to what level of alarm I should have. I can come on here and make bodacious statements but you know I gotta have some credibility I want to screw around and make the bodacious statements but when we're talking serious I'm, I'm not sure to what level you know if, if, if I put it on a scale of 1 to 10 f- folks you can answer because we're all fans here what is your level where do you put your level of concern I mean I certainly don't put it as a, a 9 or a 10 but I'm, I don't put it at a 1 or 2 either I was debating 6 or 7 because it's not just them making mistakes and losing games that we think are very winnable. It's the fact there's already two other teams in the West who seem like they are really on point right now. Yeah, good for them. They got it going on. And the Jazz don't have to play the prettiest basketball or perfect basketball or the best basketball as long as they play the winningest basketball and they look like the team that can come out of the West. That's ultimately all that matters. But, you know, the but Suns, Suns, Suns like have that. been there. They don't. Suns done, have done it. And the Warriors basically, without a trade, are getting a major addition somewhere around the trade deadline. Yep. Yeah. So they've got a trade, even though they don't have to make a trade. Because they're going to bolster their ball club with the return of Thompson at some point. Uh, so that's scary to, to think about that. And that doesn't even count LeBron. Or as you call him, James. 
<laughs> I can never call him James. It just doesn't make it doesn't, James. Who's James? Harden? <laughs> uh, I just think of LeBron. But, you know, what, what are they going to do? They have pedigree, at least to the top two guys. They do. Rondo's got it a little bit. Uh, so, you know, you have to be concerned. And, the, and then if Denver should ever find its health, you have to be concerned. So that, that's four teams right there. Uh, so I have a level of alarm. I don't know where to put it on the scale. There's still 65 games to go. So there is a long way to go, but they should be better yeah, than I mean, this. basically it's have not, two college seasons left. Right. It, you, they're not passing the eyeball test. They don't look as good as they looked last year. They're already two games. And, and Quinn's teams don't usually start fast, but they usually get better. We're past this, the point of start, though, aren't I we? agree. We're coming up on a quarter of the season in the books. So, yeah, it's not really the start. They're two games behind where they were last year at this point. Are they? And last year they had those, you know, 10-game win streak, lose a game, win another 9 or 10. Which is fine. Yeah, they had a phenomenal stretch. Plenty good enough. You give me that. I'm still waiting for the 17-3 and three stretch. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. On paper, it looked like we were probably in it. And then it turns out we're not. No. Which is part of the disappointment this morning for Jazz fans getting yeah. up and turning on the radio. This is going to be a miserable Thanksgiving. <laughs> I don't think it is for you. <laughs> I don't think teams winning and losing determines your Thanksgiving mood. No, but I was I, I was miffed in the moment. Yeah. Last night. I get that. They were all miffed after the game. I thought everything they said after the game was right. It was just like you needed that, you know, 30 or 60 minutes ago. Yeah, and I think most pros do that. They know. Yeah, I don't think most, most pros not a are mystery. not prone to make excuses. It's everybody around them who loves them dearly. The local media who wants them to win so bad tend to be softer. But I don't, I don't, I don't think the players and the coaches in most situations are looking well. It was you know seven days in ten cities or whatever it was. I, I just don't think they buy that. They what they will do as Joe and Joe said this last week, and I, and I totally believe this is the other guys have talent to be in the NBA and because of that any given like Bain I don't know how many times he's going to go for what do you have 28 how many times is he going to do that but but he's going to have some 20 point games and on the nights he does Memphis is going to be pretty good yeah it's always amazing to me how these guys are paid enormous amounts of money to go through these drafts and research it to the nth degree and then Bain drops to what 28 or something Whatever he no, was. No, he dropped to 30. To 30? Yeah. Yeah. And it's looking like, okay, man, he's a player. What did he miss? It always reminds me of, of my many years spent at the racetrack and the, the daily racing form. And somebody comes up and is, uh, is you know, 17 to 1 and he wins. And then you look at all the, the people who are way into it. They're just examining the racing form. What did I miss? What's going on here? What's happening? Uh, and I was in it to up to my eyeballs and knew a lot of the the trainers and the jocks and all that stuff at that point way back when when I was living in Arizona and it was always fascinating 
to to try to explain it. And some things just you can't explain. And how does Bain last that long? E- even among experts, nothing nothing is guaranteed. It's not a science. It's what which makes it so fascinating all the time how these players develop. And the Jazz certainly have their share of guys who've developed that were missed upon, certainly. I mean, they've benefited way more than they have lost. They missed on those Azubuki versus Bain, but nevertheless, their score, they've succeeded way more than they failed in that. But it stings when he comes in and starts hitting threes right from the get-go, and you think, oh, he's going to have a night. Yep. Yeah, he did. Good, Good for him, man. All right, DJ and PK, Frank Dolce is talking Utah football in 20 minutes right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. James Empey, BYU center. Tell me a little bit more about Tyler Algier. still bizarre to me that this guy was a linebacker a couple years ago. I remember his first year came in, he was playing running back, and they wanted to try him out on uh, defense a little bit, and he was making plays and, and running around the field, and I think he sees the game really well, and he has a good feel for what's going on, a lot of intuition there. And then towards the end of that year, they're like, well, we're thin at running back again. Hey, do you want to come back? And he comes back, and he's running people over. He's running out of his shoes. He's making moves. He's, he's doing a lot. So ever since day one, He's just progressed and gotten better and has earned everything he's been given and and has shown why, you know, he deserves to be on the field and why he deserves the carries that he's getting. And he makes the O-line look really good. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 at the next Utah Jazz game where there are free Papa Shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. Jazz will be back home to face the Pelicans Friday and Saturday. Same opponent, consecutive nights. Doesn't happen very often, but it's going to happen Friday and Saturday. They're they're must-wins. Must-wins because the Pelicans are terrible and the Jazz need to get on a roll. They don't win both games. I'm not shaving until February. It's going to go Grizzly Adams, Mountain Man, Tom Hanks and Castaway. Let it grow. Nah, I can't do that. I'm not a hairy dude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. You just heard uh, Kyle Whittingham right there talk about guys walking as juniors. But it's not definitive. And he got quizzed on that in the press conference, and he did not want to go there. He's like, no, I don't want to put any guys on the spot. We'll, well see. Well, how does he know? Guys are still making up their mind. He doesn't know for sure. And as he said, we'll welcome him back, because obviously that would be his best players. Uh, not necessarily. Uh, I think he's welcoming back, a junior who might go to the NFL could yeah. be a pretty good player. Right, but there could be, the way I look at it, if you're Devin Lloyd, Goodbye. And everyone else says, thank you, Devin. Yes, right. that would make a lot of sense. Right, there's no animosity. No one, no one has any no, De- doubt. Devin, is, Devin yeah. is held up as an example inside the program. That's, I mean, he's the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, uh, I think he's a first-round pick. To me, he, uh, if I had a vote today, I'd vote him Defensive Player of the Year, and I'd vote Cam Rising Offensive Player of the Year in the conference. Uh, not, and not... Based on stats, based on winning, although Lloyd has his stats, rising uh, just his leadership and his ability to make a play when play is needed. Uh, but if I look at him, Lloyd, he's gone. Uh, if I'm 
it's different in the, you know in the NBA with you know where you're going to be picked. Because to me, if you're picked in the first four rounds in the NFL, you you should go, especially someone like Nick Ford. You're an offensive lineman. Somebody can roll up on you in an instant, and you can have a major injury. So, and you're going to go to you're certainly going to go to. I think you're going to the Rose Bowl myself, but uh, at least you're going to win the division, and uh, so you go out on a high note. And you will have won Gyla Ford, who's been starting for several years. You know, he's won three divisions. Uh, so those types could go. Uh, I, I think if you're sort of a, a, a bench player, I guess, not getting a whole lot of time, and you've graduated, you got your degree, it's probably, you know, get on with it because it's a major commitment and you want to get going with your life. I understand like that. Covey's talked about it. And does he really want to be 26, 27 years old and still playing college football? I mean, you had a phenomenal run. Uh, so if he if he wants to come back, great, take advantage of it. But if he doesn't, I understand. The kid's going to be wildly successful no matter what. And if he wants to try the NFL, yeah. And, and, go, and everybody go and their dog is going to root for him. to make The, the most... Passionate, I hate you, Utah BYU fan is going to root for Britton Covey to have to make an NFL team. I would think. How do you not? How do you not? He's one of our own here, man. Born and bred in this state, and so he didn't. He chose to come here rather than there. Whoop de do. Uh, but a small kid like that, that would be so fun to see. Brent Keithy. If I'm Keithy, yes. What What more are you going to accomplish at the collegiate level? Uh, and, you know, unless you're having the time of your life and you just feel like this is, I just don't want to pass this up, which some dudes do. I mean, you know, Liner did it that year at SC. Van Horn came back for his senior year. He obviously could have gone to the NFL or the NBA, I mean. So these are all personal decisions, and, and I support but that's, every but one that's of them. But that's four guys that we would not find surprising. And Kyle's basically saying, well, there's going to be five to seven guys. Now, maybe he already knows. Going or leaving There's the 10 seniors, and 15 to 17 will walk. So that says five to seven guys. <laughs> this is not graduation here. I mean, participate I know, in senior That's day. what he said. <laughs> Do the walk. Uh, and maybe we should check some of these sophomores because the guy's redshirted. He could be draft eligible. A sophomore could go. I, yeah, but I don't even know who's who now. With it's all over the map yeah. with the bonus year, right? Right. It's so all I, over the map. I, I hardly ever remember with the, the LDS guys if they've gray shirted, red shirted missions, who's done what, and now they have this thing where you can play in four games and it counts as a red shirt. Uh, so uh, it's you, I need a program. Uh, yeah. To remember everybody. There, there are some other juniors who are good. I wouldn't think they would go, but sometimes guys surprise you when they go. But there are juniors Ooh. who are playing. Uh, Nephi Sewell, Mika Tafua, um, Dalton Kincaid, Devin Kafusi, Cole Fotheringham are all juniors who are playing. I think they'll be back, but I don't know. Kyle just wasn't going to go down that road and let anyone fish for names. He got, I think he got asked about Covey. Yeah, but I don't and, think they know, so how would he know? Right, he would only know ballpark. I mean, he made that clear, that even people who decide this is it for me, if they change their mind in a week, he just said he'd welcome them back. And suppose he decides this is it, and then it doesn't matter either way for him. See? But you don't think this is it for him. 
do not think this year is it. I could very well be wrong, but I do not think this year. Next year, you want to talk about it? Yeah. I trust your instincts on this, though. Yeah, I got to be careful. I'm sure you do. <laughs> he needs to announce it in his time frame, whatever he decides. And like everybody else, he gets to change his mind based on whatever happens going forward. Yeah, when he's on the field there Saturday night saying, this is the most fun I've ever had, doesn't sound like a guy to me who <laughs> no. wants to hang it up. No. Because I but, see no reason to think that there will be any less good next year than they are this year. Right. But earlier this year, he didn't look like he was having fun. It looked like the weight of the world was on his shoulders. But right. They've had he a looked lot. fatigued, and he let his hair grow. They've had a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That's stuff well, I that I heard. <laughs> that, that's ver- I, didn't you hear uh, that, Yak? I yes. heard it. Yeah, we all heard that. I didn't make much of the hair, but... I know, but <laughs> he that's looked, what we heard. I know, but he did look fatigued. Dude's a beatnik now, man. He's going to Big Sur. <laughs> and he's got those uh, San Luis Obispo roots there with his father <laughs> and all. I was going to say, dad, there are some California dad roots there. there. So the family well, I think he went to school there. Yeah. Uh, Frank Dolce, coming up next. Ute Insider, analyst for the Zone Sports Network. We'll see who he thinks might be staying and might be going and what the team might look like next year. We will talk with Frank next. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. Join Jake and Ben Friday, 10 to noon, at the Hot Tub Factory Outlet Black Friday Sale in Draper. It's next to Cowabunga Bay. 12101 Factory Outlet Drive. 121st South Factory Outlet Drive. Time to welcome in Frank Dolce on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Frank, good morning. Hey, DJ. Hey, PK. Uh, if, I, if I forget to mention it, I'll mention it up front, but... I hope you guys both have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Well, right back at you. Happy Thanksgiving, Frank. Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, PK. Yeah. You like you're my guy. You know you're my guy. <laughs> and we're you know we share the South Bay roots. And but I was super offended by your Goldilocks segment about <laughs> half an hour ago. Nice. <laughs> what particularly did you find offensive? See, he's a little hair change. Well, like I, I like these. Like <laughs> I have no control. I have no control, you know, over my hairline. Now I shave it now because if I grew it in, I'd look like Ronald McDonald or something. But, but, but then <laughs> the, you know the guys that don't have to manage this issue, you know, like I'm proud of my hair, and <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'd be, and then I think you said something along the lines of, I'd be really depressed if I lost my hair. <laughs> I would, so, man. I, I only like got one or two things going on, and my hair's one of them. <laughs> and I can't mention the other. Hey, bro. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm only good at three things, right? So I, I you know, it, I'll just tell you from personal experience. Uh, early, uh, it is it is depressing. Yeah. At one point, you just, I, I'm really depressed. This is not depressing. I mean, there's lots of other things. 
that that could be challenging, and this isn't this isn't one of them. So, but it, but at that moment when you realize, when I realize, like, oh, that's it. I, there's no coming back from this. Oh, and exactly. Shaving my head. Yeah, I had yeah. A, I had a friend who pretty much was bald at like 23, 24, and he gets married, and married obviously uh, he was young, married a gal his age, and because of his hair loss, there were people who actually thought that was his daughter. <laughs> okay, the hair loss is like, wow. if you go Frank, you just go aerodynamic. Jordan made bald beautiful years ago. Yeah, but that was a choice. And so, right, but now if you do it and you got the good look and Frank's sharp dresser, right, and he stays fit, he's clearly oh, yeah, a former athlete, so you, you got it going on. But you can't do anything when the whole world looks at you like, you freak, you're dating someone, <laughs> you married, dating or married someone who looks like your daughter, like, my hair fell out. That's exactly what it was. I mean, well, they were the we same did. age. I mean, yeah, they're the same age. <laughs> they met in college. Like, that really, that really sucks. That crosses the line. Yeah. I know, I know. Yeah, well, no, nobody... Nobody does it like Jordan. I mean, he, his was the classic. Yeah. Like that. I'm, I'm that go, I may do it and have a little earring, too. You should. Yeah. You played it right, regularly. though, Frank. You just you just pivoted and moved on. You made it work for you. Next. Look at you. You're on yeah. TV. You're doing a radio. You got the career going. Oh, he's on TV. I remember I used to be on TV. You will be again <laughs> one day. You watch. <laughs> Frank, let's get right to it now. Your Utes. Is that the best win since Alabama? Have you felt that good after a game since Bama? Maybe when they went up in Eugene a few years ago and put 60 on them? Maybe the well, Stanford that, upset? You know, yeah, that, the Stanford upset, uh, I think, was a tremendous win for Utah. So I, I'd put that one up there. I wouldn't put Alabama as high. I mean, in terms of... Uh, recognition and the win and the big moment. But to, to be completely honest, I think only one team was really engaged in that football game uh, against Alabama, and it wasn't Alabama. So, I, you know, I, th- I think there was a little bit of the way that, that Coach Saban managed that. And, you know, I'm certain he, that was a learning experience for him. But, uh, but Utah certainly in that game came out ready to go, and, and the other team did not. But I think for, for kind of everything that was at stake in this one, this seems like I, I'm, I might put this one um, right at, at the top. Uh, and the way that Utah played and the way that Utah managed that game uh, was just a dominating effort. I, I was a little surprised uh, because I thought uh, if Oregon would be more game and Utah just – beat them up right at the line of scrimmage and, and Oregon could never get on track. So, but that, that also goes back to my thought about, I'm a little surprised that Oregon didn't, hasn't taken another loss prior to this game. Like I've watched Oregon play almost every game this year. And I have not been overly impressed by that team. I mean, I thought it was like kind of a weird one loss team. So, uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm not certain that team would have really made any noise in the playoff. I, for the Pac-12, I would have liked to have seen that team go, but, but it feels to me like it, it could have been a kind of a blowout in a playoff scenario, and that doesn't really bode well for the Pac-12 either. So no. 
anyway, I think this this game certainly right up there at the top for Utah. Yeah, no question about that. I agree with you. As I look at Cam Rising, I can't help but be more impressed. And I've been on his bandwagon, so I'm going to keep running it because it makes me look smart. And if I got one or two things that makes me look smart, I'm going to just latch onto it and never let go. Uh, but the thing I look about him, you know, he's not overwhelming in really anything. But there's a couple of plays early, like third and five, and he goes back, and the pocket is sort of collapsing a little bit, not entirely. But he picks up the first downs, and you know, it's almost like it goes unnoticed. Uh, he'll he'll scramble when it's the right time, and if he needs five, he'll get you six. You know, if he needs nine, he'll get you ten. Whatever it is, and as I look at him, as I identify him as a quarterback, nothing really stands out. Like, wow, this kid is just Andrew Luck size or. John Elway arm or whatever, but yet he gets the job done game after game. And I think the thing that I might be most impressed about it with him is just his poison composure to make whatever play needs to be made. And even though it doesn't look like it's incredible, it adds up to a touchdown. You're a quarterback yourself. Evaluate what I said. So his ability to to be steady under all different circumstances, I think is his big secret. Like he's not, he's not overwhelming in, in any of those areas. Like he's not athletic, like a Cam Newton and he doesn't have a rocket arm, like an Aaron Rodgers. Um, but he, but, but the things that he does, uh, he does really well. He's like above average in all of the areas, above average arm strength, above average athleticism, way above average in the ability to remain calm under pressure, to, to keep his head about him under pressure or under that he's done all year long is, I, you know, I'm sure he's done it. Um, I can't recall, though, when he's really put his team in a difficult circumstance because of a poor play or a poor decision that he's made. There have been times, and I would say Arizona is one of those times, when he hasn't seemed as sharp as he typically is or as sharp as he was maybe against Oregon. But on par, he is, he is always above average. And if you can maintain that kind of, you know, he's not a roller coaster. If he's from the quarterback position in this offense, then I think you're going to be really successful. He, he probably threw one or two passes in the, in the game against Oregon that, that made you a little bit nervous. Like he, he threw into pressure a couple times that may have turned the tide a little bit, um, but it didn't affect the team negatively. But over the course of the game, over the course of the season, his ability to play um, at a high level consistently, consistently, I think, is his, is his uh, kind of superpower, the way that he really excels. So the team has one turnover in the last five games. He hasn't thrown a pick since ASU, and those are the only two picks he's thrown all year long. So as much as it's above average, and there's truth to that, the fact that you only have two turnovers on 251 passes, 
Doesn't that jump out at you? I mean, that's a great stat. If you're looking for great stats, that would be it, wouldn't it? Yes, that's extraordinary. That's, uh, I mean, that that is way above average. So that's the thing I'm talking about is, like, he never puts his team in a, under difficult circumstances. Um, he, 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 it feels like, you know, 99% of the time he's making the right decision, whether it's to throw the ball away, whether it's to break out of the pocket and run and not risk throwing the ball downfield or, or making a play on, you know, throwing the ball on a third down. And so I think that his ability to possess the football, the fact that Utah has um, such a strong feeling about how turnovers affect the game and his ability to manage that. And, and combined with, you know, Tavion Thomas and his ability now to control the football, he hasn't had a turnover. By the way, I hope we're not jinxing the team <laughs> heading, heading into Colorado. I mean, but, but their ability to play clean, I think, is the, is, the, is the way that they've been so successful. If you can remember early in the season, um, first three games, ish in, you know, the turnovers were just killing this team. And they were on the wrong side of the turnover battle, which just isn't isn't the hallmark of a, of a Kyle Whittingham coach team. So, yeah, turnover margin, the ability to hold on to the football. That you, you know, Utah hasn't really gotten that many turnovers on the defensive side either. No. But the ability to hold on to the football uh, is, has certainly been meaningful for the team in their, in their run lately. How much credit are you giving Ludwig for the team's success offensively this season? Oh, a whole bunch. I, I thought we, you know, I was pretty, um, I, I was, I, I wouldn't say I was soft on Ludwig early in the season, but I thought that the way that Utah was managing the offense early in the season didn't fit, didn't necessarily fit their personality. And that could be for lots of reasons, maybe because of the turnovers in the running game or, or, or what, but it felt like, Utah was much more interested in trying to develop a passing game downfield, um, especially with Charlie Brewer, you know, running the controls. And at, at some point, they figured out, Coach Ludwig or the team or whatever, figured out that, you know, we're just we're going to beat people up at the line of scrimmage. We're, we're just going to run the ball, and then we're going to play action pass off of that. And that's just going to have to be good enough. And it's been more than good enough. I, I, it's interesting to think that, uh, you know, Cam Rising has been so good, but he's, he's managed a different offense, I think, than Charlie Brewer. And I'm, you know, I'm curious to think how Charlie Brewer would be playing in the same scenario. If Charlie Brewer was only throwing 18 passes in a game like Cam did against, against Oregon, he, he only threw 20 something passes the week before. And I think, in the last several weeks, he's been averaging around the mid twenties in pass attempts. That's that you know that's just not really how college football works these days. But that's what works for Utah, and and I think the way that Coach Ludwig has managed it has been very very good. Like his ability to just say, you know what, this is what is working. We're running the ball effectively against against Oregon, and we're just going to continue to pound on that. I'm sure that he had you know, several passing plays lined up, passing plays that they worked on throughout the week that just never got made it to the game because circumstances didn't call for it. 
And so, and I think that's hard for a coordinator. I think coordinators sometimes get into this thing of, well, we worked on it. We better put it in the game. And I don't feel like Andy Ludwig has that kind of ego. He just is, let's, let's do what works, and, and that's how we're going to win football games. I think they're throwing the ball more now than they did uh, Tyler Huntley's senior year. But I also think that how much they throw the ball now has really followed the course of the game and what the game called for. When they're blowing out Oregon and Stanford, they're all about shortening the game, and he throws the ball 18 and 22 times because that thing was over, and it's shortened it, and the fewer plays are, mm-hmm. fewer chance there is for anybody to get hurt because somebody rolled up on him. Right? You don't need to lose any more offensive or defensive linemen. Let's get this thing over and get out of here. But yeah. – 30 attempts at Arizona. The game was close. 33 against Arizona State when they had to rally. 36 against Oregon State when they lose. They will air it out. I mean, they don't, they don't have a problem with that. They couldn't kill off those games just because of the way the games went. Yeah, absolutely. No, no question about it. And how about Tyler Huntley? I mean, that, uh, that uh, game the other night with the Ravens, good for him. I mean, that's a, that was a tremendous performance. But but uh, back back to Utah, uh, yeah, I I don't think Utah's afraid of, of throwing the ball, and I certainly feel like Cam uh, is capable of throwing the ball. And more importantly, uh, Utah's offensive line is much better at protecting when throwing the ball downfield, and so that was a that was an enormous concern early in the season. Quarterbacks couldn't get. Into the into the drop and have any sort of comfort comfort in the pocket because the pocket was always collapsing. So, uh, and and there were times in in this game against Oregon where Cam stepped back in the pocket and then he sat. I, I thought Utah would employ kind of this quick passing game to negate Thibodeau, but there were a few times in the game when when Cam sat back in the pocket. He had time to read downfield. His offensive line did a fantastic job of creating a pocket and he could make that throw. So I, you know, I, as, as much as I, I want to say that Cam rising is the difference in the passing game um, or even the way that coach Ludwig is calling plays or the receivers stepping forward and, you know, or getting the tight ends involved, all of that stuff's great. But the truth is the offensive line has just been much, much better in providing the ability to throw the ball downfield. And when you do that, I mean, that's, it's way more than half the battle if you can protect up front and give everybody else an opportunity to do their job. By the time next week we speak to you, we will know who the opponent is in Vegas. As of today and this week, we do not know, and there's three possibilities to face the Utes in Vegas next week. Do you care which one? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, that, uh, I think that I care about that. Um, I still think that... Uh, like in terms of if I had to pick matchups, like uh, I still think that that uh, Oregon is the most athletic team in the conference. I don't think they, you know, I, I'm not I'm not sure they were ever the number three team in the country, but I think they're most the most athletic team in the conference, and they have the most dynamic players on the field who can change a game, and and they just didn't they didn't play up to their potential. I mean, Utah was really good. And I thought Oregon um, was negated by what Utah did, but I think there's a different Oregon team available. So I would put Oregon as the most difficult matchup. Um, I would put Oregon State 
as the second most difficult matchup. Although I think um, Utah can can move the ball against Oregon State defensively, but but there's still that question mark: Can Utah control Oregon State's running game? Utah certainly knew what they were up against the first time they they went to the Corvallis, but didn't manage it very well. So I think that would I would say Oregon State would be the second most difficult contest. And then I think Washington State um, is pr- provides significant challenges for Utah, but challenges I think Utah matches up well against. And so um, that's, uh, um, I think of the three, that's the most winnable kind of game. Uh, if Utah is playing really well, I think, I think they get over Washington State with the most ease. But, but all three of those, are losable games as well. I mean, I think those are those are difficult matchups, each a little bit different. So, so if I had to rank them, that's how I would put it: is Oregon most difficult? Second would be Oregon State. Third um, most difficult would be Washington State. But it's going to be Washington State because that way the Pac-12 can have a seven and five team in their championship game and take. Uh, yeah, I don't want that. And <laughs> take more grief nationally. Right. And it's the same logic said the Utes will beat Oregon, absolutely, because that'll knock the Pac-12 out of the playoffs for right. sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, you know, if the conference can figure out how to make it as ridiculous as possible, then that that's what the conference is is going to do. And we, I, I think we've seen that throughout this football season. I mean, how does – you guys have watched Stanford play the last several weeks. How does Oregon lose to Stanford? I don't know. How, how, does, that, how does that occur? Oregon – I mean, Stanford is terrible. Yep. Stanford, Stanford yeah. is awful. And by the way, that kind of awful Stanford team that's out on the field right now, anywhere else in the, in the country, that head coach is in trouble. Like – if, 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 if a head coach – look at what happened to Dan Mullen. If a head coach throws out a season like Stanford is throwing out right now, that head coach is on the hot seat. Yep. I, I, don't, I have not heard one ounce of chatter about David Shaw. And by the way, I like David Shaw. I don't want him to be in trouble. I think he's a good, he's a good fit at Stanford. But it's just interesting how the conference manages those things relative uh, to other conferences competing in college football. Frank, as always, we appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. Man, you guys are the best. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Frank Dolce, our Ute Insider Analyst for the Zone Sports Network. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, is coming up at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. James Empey, BYU Center. Tell me a little bit more about Tyler Algier. Still bizarre to me that this guy was a linebacker a couple years ago. I remember his first year came in, he was playing running back, and they wanted to try him out on uh, defense a little bit, and he was making plays and, and running around the field, and I think he sees the game really well, and he has a good feel for what's going on, a lot of intuition there. And then towards the end of that year, they're like, well, we're thin at running back again. Hey, do you want to come back? And he comes back, and he's running people over. He's running out of his shoes. He's making moves. He's, he's doing a lot. So ever since day one, he's just progressed and gotten better and has earned everything he's been given and, and has shown why you know he deserves to be on the field and why he deserves the carries that he's getting. And he makes the O-line look really good. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com.
Join Unrivaled with Alex Curry and Scott Mitchell Friday at the warehouse from 3 to 6. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. My voice is better. Boom! Good to have you back, PK. <laughs> A little stuffy, but way better than last week. You just heard Frank talking uh, talking youth football right there. Yeah. You feeling the confidence now? Colorado's going down. Yeah. The Pac-12 title game, you don't yeah. care who it is. They're going to beat all three. He ranked his three in order of how hard they'd be to beat. But it just doesn't matter. I don't think it does. Most of the Ute fan base is there with you. I am the Ute fan base. Absolutely, man. Ran a poll question, got almost 1,000 votes. 36% of them said, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, BYU is awfully grateful they got them when they did. (laughs) Rematch, I mean, come on. Look what they did to Oregon. Holy freak. (laughs) Jeez. Uh, there's a reason why Dan Mullen quit. He wanted no part of uh, Utah next <laughs> the opener, year. He's like, I'm out. <laughs> he didn't quit. He got fired. <laughs> well, that's he got a lot it. of money to go away too. Uh, yeah, I don't think it matters. I've been I've been saying it for weeks that I thought they were going to go to the Rose Bowl, and I still think so. Uh, I obviously I think even more so. I want them to play Oregon because I want the Pac-12 to have its best foot forward. And I agree with you, seven and five Washington with the the story is the coach State, or yeah. Washington State, yeah. Excuse me, the uh, coach story with the vaccine and all that stuff. It's not a I, good look. No, I mean, it's that's all that, negative. The yeah. Pac-12 is weird, and they're yeah, not yeah. good at football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a joke. Look at that. I mean, you can just plus how fun would it be to have the Utes punk Oregon twice? <laughs> <laughs> I, if, if they did that, and I'm going to go to the game and cover it, and uh, if they did that, if they punk Oregon twice. I'm going to have suspenders, and I'm going to go up to Cristobal as he's walking off the field. Good. That's a good plan. <laughs> it worked the first time we saw it. You should by all means do that. And I was there. I know you were. Me and Jake Scott were eyewitnesses to it. Yeah. And I tweeted it out, and been, that was the earlier days of Twitter, and guys were getting on me, oh, you just make up bleep. Yeah, yeah, I made it up. And yeah. there's the photo. What <laughs> video, no less, came out. <laughs> Yeah, and all of a sudden those folks uh, deleted that uh, uh, their comments to me. Yeah, so I wanted to play Oregon because I think that's that's going to get your the biggest most thing. That's yeah. the most sizzle. And I want the Pac-12. I'm and it goes guy. to your point of you think they're a top ten team, so two more wins they could be a top ten team. Well, I, think are. I think they're playing at a top ten level uh, right now. What they did Saturday, just destroying. You know, Oregon, I, and I've never been on the Oregon bandwagon. I'm on the Oregon bandwagon as a program, but I've never been on the Oregon this bandwagon team, the pieces, this particular this season. The pieces season. don't quite fit together. No, I, I just, and they're a good team, but I never bought them as being the overwhelming favorite but in the conference. But is the gap as big as it looked on Saturday? Ah, probably not, but it was Saturday. It definitely was Saturday. And that's all that matters. And the Utes were the gambling favorite, so it's not like other people couldn't see it. Despite what the Los Angeles Times said. (laughs) It's an upset! (laughs) Check the Vegas line and get back to me. Yeah, I saw that. Plenty of people people saw it, or the line wouldn't have the Utes favored by three. Yeah. So which top ten teams are they better than? Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Who do they you, move you, out? You love to do that. I do. And, and and when I said that about Mitchell last year of him being at an all NBA level, who are you going to take out? No, it's who am I going to include? Not who okay. am I going to take out? Who are you who am I going to include? Nine other teams. And at the end, I'll figure out who you took out. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and tell me who you're going to include. Georgia and Ohio State for sure. And, and I'm never going to oh, rule and, out Saban. Saban's LeBron. Yeah. 
And he's until not they gone, go down. He's not gone I, until he's gone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and we were talking yesterday about him getting in the playoff. And I do feel like after watching Georgia and Ohio State, man, I hope I'm wrong about this, but I'm not. There have been so many blowouts in the semifinal games. I mean, we have seen teams get crushed again and again. A wide variety of teams have gotten crushed again in semifinals. Again and again. Yes. And it feels like that's going to happen this year. Maybe and Georgia so. and Ohio State yeah, are better just, than everybody. I'll turn the TV off then. I'll go do something else. <laughs> turn on the jazz game, right? Yeah. So if it happens, it happens. I mean, I'm not going to sweat it. Uh, but Utah is playing at a top 10 level, and I don't know which team I would take out or whatever. I'm, and that, that's your, your thing. And Oklahoma. Fine. They're the Oregon of the Midwest. Lots of close wins. They've got the rep. They've got the one loss, but they don't pass the eyeball test. Well, sometimes they do. Uh, they're, they're a great team. But I think Utah is playing just as well as you know, maybe a cut below those uh Upper echelon teams. And I, I, you give me any of those, you know, you got your Alabama. I'll give you Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia, right? I'll put them off to the side. But they can hang with Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and Michigan. Give me a neutral field? Certainly, and give me a Salt Lake City field. <laughs> uh, but give me a neutral field? I like their chances. Yeah. And I mean, they're going to win, but I like their chances. I mean, they're, they're playing at a very elite level. Well, the whole top 10 thing will get tested, I think, because whoever, if they get to the Rose Bowl, if they're a top 10 team, then they beat Colorado, they win the Pac-12 title game, and in the Rose Bowl, they get another top 10 team. Right, and I think that's what you want. You want that. If I'm a youth fan, I want Oregon uh, because I want to further enhance my resume. And then Oregon's still ranked 11th, so that'd be another that'd be another impressive win if you go and get in Vegas on a neutral field, double down. Right, on right, it. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, that's what I'm saying. That's precisely yeah. what I'm saying. And then I would want as high a ranked team as I can get in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, because you're looking to pronounce your program. We are a power. We are a national power, and then they go out. And they flood their assistants all over the country. We're a national program. I mean, we got. You want your quarterback in Florida? We had a quarterback in Florida. He played in the NFL. He won a ball game. Uh, you, you got running backs. They've already proven that. I mean, come on. I mean, they they proven that a million times over. And defensively, they've proven that. And uh, so, and right here, forget about the country. Right here, locally, man. You don't need to go over there. You don't need to go up the coast. You don't need to go here or there. You can come right here. This is where you belong, man. You can be that hometown hero. Look at this Covey kid. Look what he did. Yeah, sure, he's a smaller guy, so uh, you know we root for an underdog because he's not doesn't have the stature. But he's he's like a celebrity, really, when you think about it. And he's got the ability to talk and all that stuff. But stay local, and you'll be a star here forever. Uh, it sends an incredible, incredible message. And, and my good friends. And I call you my good friends because you are. If the Utes win the conference championship, there's a 65% chance that the Rose Bowl will be Kyle Whittingham's final game. 65%? So look at that right here. What is that based on? You'd have to ask the hammer. John Wilner wrote that. I'm looking at it right here. 65%. It says it right here. He's got a, a coaching 
chance of vacancies. Uh, so he's got uh, Washington, uh, SC, and you know Washington State. They're 100% because they're already open. And he's talking about how... Uh, What's he put ASU at? 75. Uh, he says they're a hot mess, and they are. I mean, the recruiting is they're, they're 12th, and the only reason why they're 12th is because they only have 12, 12 teams. teams. Uh, because kids are dropping off because they got this deal that they got to take. Everyone care of thinks the NCAA, there's going to be a coaching change and and see and, and what's the probation going to be? And he's, he's speculating that most of the kids are going to transfer out, so they may never win a game ever <laughs> again. Uh, so they're a mess. But he's got it at seventy five percent chance of vacancy and chance of vacancy at Utah sixty five percent. He thinks Kyle wins, gets to the mountaintop, and then walks away in glory. Bathed in glory. Our projections for our vacancy have increased dramatically in recent days, all thanks to the results Saturday night. Whittingham is now one game from leading the university to its first ever Rose Bowl. He has endured the deaths of two players. He turned 62 on Sunday. He has loads of grandkids in Salt Lake City. Loads. I mean, this guy is like Tom Green. He's got so many freaking grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see a Tom Green reference coming. I know, coming. of all things. What a pull. For association, ready to go. I don't know why that came into my mind. But loads of grandkids. I think he's got uh, like three or four. So I want to back off on that. Yeah, Loads of grandkids. He's got... Because when you say that, I think that, you know, Britton Covey has loads of cousins. Well, yeah, loads, loads of grandkids in the Salt Lake City area, and he just became the winningest coach in school history. Our opinion, if the Utes win the conference championship, the Rose Bowl will be his final game. Wow. His final game. He's only got two, three games left in his Utah career. This Whittingham retirement thing is just gaining steam. <laughs> Everybody's talking about it. Man, I wish he would have cut his hair earlier. He cut his hair so he's going to retire. <laughs> no, no, that was that was the the reason because he was letting it go, like he was losing interest. I don't need a haircut. Ah, screw that, man. I'm just going to kick back and smoke peyote. <laughs> Phil Jackson would like a word. Good Next time I see Kyle, was your partner talking about peyote, Tom Green, and loads of grandkids? Maybe. <laughs> I think he's going to coach in the Rose Bowl. And I'll be the first to admit, I want it to happen. So I, I, I've got a bias here. There's no doubt about it. I I'm right it. there with you. Just, it's, winning is good for business. Really Please is. continue winning. It, it, obviously it is. Yeah. There was a ton of winning this weekend. This will shock you, but we had the highest rated Saturday talking sports we'd had in weeks. Well, no kidding. Utes and Cougars won, and they neither one had to play in the 830 time slot, so the fan bases weren't watching the games. It's the best. Please play in the afternoon the or early evening and win. It's the best. Well, that's good for you on your ratings. I mean, that's why you're a Hall of Famer. You Not are. exactly. No, you're a Hall sure. of Famer, dude. You are in the freaking Hall of Fame. You are. You're a Hall of Famer. And you retweeted it. Look at me. I'm a Hall of Famer. I liked it. I didn't retweet it. Oh, there ain't no freaking difference. There is. There's one button <laughs> to the left. There's one button to the right. But the it's result different. is the same. It's not, but okay. <laughs> for all practical purposes and intents. For the purposes of your argument, it's, it's exactly the same. the same thing. 
And I know you're a, a Twitter genius all of a sudden here. The yeah, that's not genius tr- level. I mean, left, right. But it's the like. same. It shows up on your Twitter. What's the difference? <sighs> okay. Anyway, go ahead. You're a Hall of Famer, yeah. and you had the best ratings on Saturday that we night. we had in weeks. I know. That's what you just said. And I'm happy for you. I only care that your Sunday night ratings suck. They do. We yeah. need you back desperately. That's, that's what I care about. I'll because be, I have some personal pride. I'll be happier when you're back. And I've been crushed. Little Tina Turner. Had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yesterday... I like this song. Is that everybody? Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm watching the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony yesterday. And Tina Turner is being honored. I'm thinking, yeah, like... 1980, she should have been honored. You're decades late, people. And they've got Tina Turner, Carol King, and the Go Go's, among others. Okay, the Go Go's, eh. <laughs> but they're on the, you put them on the same level of Tina Turner and Carol King? No. Come on! No. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. And my man LJ, LL Cool J, I'm fine with all that. But those two ladies should have been inducted years ago. Just like you, now that I think about it, Yach, he should have been inducted into the City Weekly Hall of Fame years ago. It's a freaking joke that it took this long. What the hell were they thinking? It was years ago. I just didn't tell you. Was, you were inducted was, years ago? It was pre-pandemic. Then why, are they not, why did you just retweet it now? Hold on to thought. Hold on. Oh, no, I thought that was it. Sorry, my bad. That, there's a lot of jokes I could go with right there. <laughs> well, you've already done the Tom Green humor. Just keep it coming. No. When no. we come back, college football fans, even in death, there are statements that must be made. We will get to that next. Stay with us. The new zone lineup is here. Give it up, give it up, with the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Join, join Jake and Ben Friday from 10 to noon at the Hot Tub Factory Outlet Black Friday Sale. They'll be in Draper next to Cowabunga Bay, 12101 Factory Outlet Drive, 121st South Factory Outlet Drive. So PK Nebraska's having a terrible season. They're 3-8. and eight. They're 1-7 and seven in the Big Ten. 1-7. and seven. And they suck. Not even death can stop Nebraska fans from criticizing the team. This is from a story in Yahoo Sports. Milton A. Munson Jr. passed away at the age of 73 last Tuesday, and his obituary read, The grim reality of the Nebraska Cornhuskers finishing yet another season with a losing record proved to be too much to bear for Milton Andrew oh my Munson. gosh who decided he'd seen enough of this world during the team's recent bye week. The Huskers may not have sent him into the afterlife with a victory, but at least they didn't lose, and sometimes that's the best you can hope for. That's over the top. Memorial services, 1 p.m. Wednesday. 
burial with a military honor guard, Parkview Cemetery in Hastings, and Louis Flowers. Please place an irresponsibly large wager on Nebraska beating Iowa. How old is he? 73. Yeah. Pretty hardcore for 73, huh? Go Big Red. Yeah, I, I guess he would have had to sanction that. I don't know. I don't know the death circumstances. Was it a lingering illness that he knew he yeah, was going no, no. or, or does, what? doesn't go into this in that story, but how important is football in Nebraska? Obviously, it's it's very important there, and they say game day, it's the second biggest city when you factor in the, the crowd and all that stuff just inside the stadium, and they've had an illustrious program for many, many years. Well, things change over time, and they haven't been nearly as good as they try to recapture the glory. Uh, and it doesn't look like it's coming anytime soon. Uh, but I, I just can't get into it that much. Uh, I, can, I can have fun with it. Uh, I don't have any problem having fun with it. But Dying on a bye week. Yeah. I probably wouldn't do that. It, it seems like an obituary. Should tell be, the life story. Well, it ought to be a little more sacred. Yeah. You know, you're trivializing a life. Now, I obviously know nothing about this individual, and maybe he, as I say, he huge Nebraska that would be fan funny. with a great sense of humor, and this is funny. Yeah, but if it's if it's serious, it worries me even more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these are college boys essentially that we're talking about. And when you're 73, you ought to get that even yeah. the mature veteran ones at 23. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are still super young. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, a third of the way through life. With it, all kinds of craziness to come in the decades ahead that you just can't predict when you're 23. I could see more of the pro level. But the college level, it's really hard for me to crack on boys. Because that's basically what they are. Now, I realize legally they're 18, so they're considered men. But in so many ways, they're youngsters. You want to crack on the coaches? That's another story. I mean, especially now with the outrageous amounts of money they're being paid. guys bouncing around every year or two. So I can live with that if you're you're disgusted with the coaching staff or the administration. Those are adults. But to crack on the young fellows who play the game... Man, that's that's really harsh, and then that that that's just too much. I mean, they, these these are just literal kids; they're they're in grown men bodies, but science will tell you that their brains aren't even fully formed until you're 25. Yeah, Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, joins us next as the Cougars mm. get ready for a trip to the Coliseum. Stay with us, and I believe in the science. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, joining us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain's given free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit smartrain.net or call 877-346-3333. Dylan, good morning. Morning, fellas. How we doing? Good. The L.A. Memorial Coliseum. Does it still hold a little allure? I know the team that plays in it is four and six. Eh, going through a coaching change. But is there something about going to the Coliseum that's going to have all the BYU players pumped up, especially the California kids, especially the Southern California kids? Yeah, I, I, still, I still think it has a, a little piece of, you know, uh, a little piece of tradition. 
I don't think I don't think it has what the Rose Bowl has. You know, playing even even being able to play there, but it still uh, it still should be fun for everybody. Yeah, the way I look at it, Dylan, you got a chance to go two things beyond that that ought to get you jacked up. You got five and zero against the conference, which is way fun, and then you got yeah. ten wins. And obviously, ten is better than nine. I mean, so to go ten and two, uh, you you totally backed up what you did last year. So as I look at this thing, to me, and the Coliseum is nice and all, and SC is the brand name. Yeah. We get that, but I don't think it's going to be a big time atmosphere. It's going to be again probably a ton of BYU fans there. But I think the way I look at it is five and zero, and ten and two. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I don't think that there is a, a better close the season that you could have the opportunity to have, um, and really set yourself up for you know uh, the bowl game, and and more importantly. Depending on what happens this off season, I think uh, going into next season, you're you're running with a lot of momentum. You say depending on what happens in the off season, you're referring, of course, to make sure Kalani gets paid, the assistants get paid, and everything is moving forward, getting ready for the Big Twelve. Yep, one hundred percent. You're sweating that a little bit, aren't you? Uh, maybe a little. A little perspiration, even in the 35-degree weather. <laughs> I, you know, I personally, I don't understand it. Uh, you've been in the program. Your family's been in the program for years and years. Uh, and, you know, you serve missions, so you, you can walk to walk because uh, you, know, you can talk to talk because you did walk to walk. Uh, and they talk about this program at BYU Sports being a missionary program. And, you know, I've heard stories, so I buy it. Uh, and it's important, and you're and, and it's such a high profile situation here. And here you got somebody in Sataki, a minority guy, no less, uh, for a church that's viewed as primarily white. And why not invest? It's not like you don't have the money. And it's not just about. I'm not just talking about giving him gobs of money. I'm talking about doing what what needs to be done. Because I had somebody tell me that. Hey, we're concerned about making the transition to the Big 12 is going to be tough enough. But if we're going to be underfunded, it's going to be that much harder. So why not fund it the way it should be funded? Because I think guys like you, media guys like me, and more importantly, Joe Fan or Joe Booster Fan, that's what they want. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I to be honest with you, uh, I do genuinely believe that that is what is going to happen. I don't think that there would have been a clear invitation to the Big 12, even at this time, unless there were some situations that were maybe promised or, if this is even possible, some contractual agreements that basically say, hey, this is what we're bringing to the table. Right? We're going to make sure that we are funded. We are going to make sure that we are bringing you know, our, our piece of the pie to the conference so that you're ensuring that you don't end up like, you know, what could be, and, and I'm not saying this will happen by any means, and I'm not saying that this is even close, but the last thing that you ever want to be to a conference, you don't want to be the Vanderbilt of a conference, right? You don't want to be the one that is so far off in what you're providing your football team and what you're providing the conference that you're almost a hindrance, right? And so, as I say, yeah, I am sweating, and as there is a little perspiration, a little worry, that's more so probably because I'm a very much a hope for the best, expect the worst type of person. Um, 
And so, you know, I fully believe in Tom. I fully believe in the athletic administration. I fully believe that Kalani wants to be there. I know that the support staff wants to be there. Um, but I also understand that, you know, this is a, a this is life and, and things happen. And so would I be completely surprised? No. But I do know that you know, Tom and Tom and the team are, are doing you know, quite possibly everything that they can to make sure everyone is in place. And those situations are rolling through instead of having us kind of like you're saying, hey, why wouldn't you make sure everyone is, is taken care of going into this transition? So I guess, well, I don't think anyone has any doubt that Tom knows what needs to be done and wants what needs to be done, but there are multiple layers of bureaucracy and administration to go through, multiple people to sign off on stuff, and anybody who's ever worked in a place with multiple levels of bureaucracy, and PK and I both know this because we've been in other places where it works like this, you know, there's an official way things work, and then there's an unofficial and other people mm-hmm. get to, you know, stick their thumb in the pie before it goes to the Thanksgiving Day table. Yeah. And so there's just this nagging fear that it's going to drag on. And college football, as an industry, moves at a freakishly quick pace. In other industries, Dan Mullen doesn't get fired. In other industries, Clay Helton's gone a year before, not week two. Clay's already got another job. This industry moves at a bizarro pace is BYU going to get caught off guard because it doesn't move at that pace? I think it could. I think if there is if there is a susceptible program that could get caught at that pace, absolutely. I think what they've done in the last two years, the way that they have moved, um, I think they're in a perfect position to move at the pace that is needed to be successful. Um, but you are looking at a program that very well could be caught in that kind of whirlwind, right? That They, they could get slowed down. Uh, I think what they've done in the last two years, and you look at the little things, you look at what they've done for recruiting, you look at some of the immediate changes that took place even prior to, you know, offense coordinator changes and things like that, and, uh, in, in, you know, adjusting what needed to be done in, in regards to coaching. You look at what needed to be done in regards of, you know, the locker room for recruiting. You look at, you know, what uh, Billy Nixon, who is the player experience and, and equipment manager down at BYU, you look at what he's been able to head up and change, um, you know, to help kind of elevate this new experience at BYU. I think everybody is right where they need to be, especially with the help of the basketball and the other programs. Right, they're seeing what happens and the success and the notoriety and being kind of that light on the hill that comes when you're investing and putting that money into the football program and the basketball program and the sports programs and doing it at an accelerated uh, rate, you know, probably faster than it has been done in the past. And so, normally, yes, that is a worry, that will always be a worry, but from what we've seen the last couple of years, it's going in good shape, yeah. I sort of believe what you think, too, that they're not going to come this far, and I think somebody has said this, come this far just to come this far. <laughs> yeah. 
That's a funny line, but it's a good line. That you've come this far and you've made, you know, just a few years ago you had the seven and six stuff and four and nine and things were looking bleak. Well, and we're, we're two years removed from that, but now everything is just looking up, man. So you've come, mm-hmm. you've made major strides here. And and we've seen it in recruiting with kids decommitting from other places or transferring in that were four and five stars and want to be a part of the BYU situation. So basically, man, don't blow it now. And I, I'm on I'm on board with you. I don't necessarily have any proof, but I feel like logic. Maybe it's just logic that's overriding my thought process to think that they are not going to let this thing get away. Yeah. No, I 100 percent agree. Except that a lot of other schools, the coach and the coaching staff would already have the deals and they'd already be announced. Which is very, very true. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, they still have time. They do. It's, it's not like they're up against it right now. And, yeah. and how do we know they don't have a plan and they're just waiting uh, to do what they need to do to go forward here and at their appropriate time? I mean, at the same time, it's a business. Uh, so... If you don't have to give somebody more money, why would you give them more money? You know, <laughs> you know because it's not like uh, that that we know of anyway that there's been some offer made or this or that too. But because you irritate them and then they just leave when it's time to give money, by then they've already made up their mind. Something to be said for that. And I think I think that depends on the the, the personality that you're working with. Them Absolutely, too, right? totally agree. And and genuinely, I don't think Kalani's that guy. Uh, I think if, if I think Kalani, if let's say let's say worst case scenario, there hasn't even been, you know, like there hasn't even been conversation about it, right? Uh, I think Kalani would still is is genuinely a guy that's saying, hey, let's talk about this in a couple of weeks, right? Let's talk about this after USC and before the bowl game. Yeah, you know, and to me that might be like an accelerated rate for him. Um. You know, and that's if no conversations have taken place already. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, in between that time, they came to an agreement. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised maybe even after the bowl game, right? They came to an agreement, and and that being, hey, let me not necessarily let me go look at what other options are, but let's uh, let me go see what else is out there in regards to what other people are offering me and seeing my value. Right. What do they think I'm worth? Then I'm going to come back and say, okay, understanding the situation, understanding the program, here's what I feel. Here's what I've been offered by other people, and here's what I feel, you know, uh, this is what it's going to be for me to say. And I want to say, so I really need you to hit this number. And I really need you to hit this number for my assistant, and I really need you to hit this number for my support staff. That's what I was going to ask you about the assistants here. It's almost like we're resigned to the fact that if these assistants get another job offer, they're gone. And I wanted you to speak to the importance of an assistant coaching staff, uh, particularly in football, where they have so much more authority and responsibility is probably a better word uh, than they would do in other sports as assistant coaches. So it seems to me, you know, they've developed the staff here. And they need to do what they need to do to keep it rather than, oh, well, you got a higher-paying offer at school, fill in the blank, thanks, see you, bye. Yeah. I think when you look at the position coaches, right, 
if you look at someone who is a current position coach in a football program, unless it is in you know an SEC school where they've already, chances are, have already had an experience in which they've been an offensive coordinator, or they've been a head coach somewhere else, right? But if you look at the staff now, we still have a very, very young position coaching staff that have goals, right? Ultimately, you're being an assistant coach because you want to be a head coach. and You're not going to get hired from being a defensive backs coach or a receivers coach. No one's just going to pick you up and say, okay, congratulations, you're the new head coach, right? I think you have to look at, you know, that conversation is completely different than the conversation that the offensive and defensive coordinators are having because they're the ones that are saying, hey, I'm already an OC. I'm already calling the shots. I can already go in and make, you know, 700000 to to over a mil uh, as an offensive coordinator, and I'd love to be a head coach, but right now this is the situation I want to be in. Whereas the position coaches may say, hey, I can go and make, you know, $400,000 as a head coach at an FCS school, i.e. Betsy Sutake, who I believe, right, already has the experience as an offensive coordinator, already plays a huge role as uh, in the play calling at BYU. I think if he wanted to and go put his name out for either, you know, offensive coordinator jobs at G5 or even head coaching and offensive coordinator jobs in the FCS, He's a considerable, considerable name for those options. And so, you know, as much as he loves Kalani, as much as he loves the program and loves what he's able to do, uh, he's, you know, he's a, he's a pretty damn good football coach and could, could be considered heavily for those options. And I think that'd be something that he'd want to, to look into. So you have any reservations about the game at USC and uh, the way USC has lost uh, four of the last five, what BYU should be able to do, the way they ought to be able to, to move the ball? Because the SC offense will score some points. I think they've proven that even yeah. in losses. Yeah. I think as, as long as the – my only reservation is – I guess this is a, a tough reservation because you kind of hold them to such a high standard, but – it goes back to the offensive line. It goes back to Tyler Algier. I think the way that they're going to play, uh, they're going to stack the box, right? They're going to go man-to-man on the outside because generally they don't think that BYU has the athletes to play the game, and so they're going to go one-on-one all day long. And uh, I think if, if we do overpower that box and they're able to average four or five yards of carry, uh, it is going to absolutely open up the pass game uh, for for a huge, huge day. And so, I think as long as we take advantage of that, it should be a it should be a good day. And I hope, I genuinely do. And I love our defense. I love the defensive players. But uh, I I am a I'm a big Jackson Dart fan, and I would love for Jackson to come in and you know have a phenomenal game against BYU. Not that he not that BYU, you know, did anything to him or he needed to prove everything, anything, but uh, it is fun to be able to go and, and put it on a team that, you know, you're close to and have connections to. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, joining us right here. Dylan, have a good week. Happy Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you again after the Cougars win their 10th game. Absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving. 
Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, joining us every week. So you called it. 20 wins, three losses. Yeah, I got to pick BYU this week. You got to pick BYU too, don't you? I was just telling you earlier this week, I can't believe the spread's only seven. I'm not going to turn around and pick USC now. I didn't think it was that unusual of a spread. Yeah, I thought it would be 10 or 14. Seems high. Well, if you can't factor in that most sports books will give a home team three points. There is that. And then also, I. I've, I've, so BYU gets three? Ah, nice. Nice. Well nice. Well done. Well done. Yes. Good job. Every game's a home game. I, I, am, I am intrigued. I don't want to get caught up in all the attendance smack that goes on and on and on and on and on and on. But I got to admit, I am intrigued. I want to see how much. Yeah, are they really going to put 25, 30,000 people in the Coliseum? Cougarville, you're talking about? Yeah. Or, or just overall? Oh, no, I'm talking BYU, BYU fans. BYU fans. 25 to 30 seems high. It does. But there's a lot of – it's it's a holiday weekend, so it makes Which it easier. Which could work against you, though. It could, but it could also make it easier to get there. Even after you do your Thanksgiving in Utah, you can travel down there on Friday, go down – you always talk about uh, going to Newport and running into people in BYU hats and shirts and everything – and still have your three-day weekend down in L.A. And there's just so many fans down there, and they're having such a great season. And SC fans have probably flooded the secondary market with cheap tickets because they're not going to games. I mean, that's been clear for a few weeks no, now. Plus, the stadium's massive, so right. tickets are cheap. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I just think it all adds up to this could be <laughs> this could be a big turnout for BYU. Yeah, every time. Uh, the, the stadium is rarely sold out because it's so huge. They've downsized it twice, and it's still huge. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. I, uh, Tim Tesselone, who's been the sports information there for forty years, he's re- he's retiring. Uh, I'd always he'd always ask me how many tickets do you want? Oh, BYU Utah play there uh, because you know he knew me. I worked he knew you from the Daily Breeze, yeah, and they have and, tickets, and, and I would bring my wife or yeah. Gordon's wife, and we'd get we'd get tickets. Uh, so they never had any problem there. So, yeah, if they want to go, they certainly can go, and it won't be that expensive. But 25 to 30 seems high. It does. That would be uh, that would be a massive number. Having having gone to BYU-San Diego State games for years, 10,000, I wouldn't even bat an eye. Oh, but yeah, you folks have multiplied massively since then. Nice you folks You've been there. very, very fruitful. <laughs> You've kept the commandments. People who used to uh, live uh, near your old stomping grounds, though, say a lot of people have moved up here. You know, we got three million people here, not one million for a reason. Oh, the Mormons that have moved up here? Uh-huh. Oh, they're freaking like ants at a picnic, man. <laughs> Jeez, they're all over the place. Hundreds of them, thousands of them, for sure, yeah. Be a lot of Cougar fans. I'll be intrigued to see how many. Well, I, I would love to see that yeah. many, yeah. I just think that with SC's offense... You get a you lose the ball a time or two. I mean, we saw it against Boise. Uh-huh. I mean, the number one reason why they lost that ball game was turnovers. Yep. And and SC's offense is certainly capable of putting thirty five on you. And if you bleep away three or four possessions, you give their offense a couple of short fields and a little momentum, and you take away your opportunity to yep. score. So uh, we, if I'm a Cougar fan, I have a, a fair amount of concern about this game. Texans and Titans just reminded us if you lose the turnover battle by five, you can lose to anybody. Worst team in the AFC just beat the best team in the AFC, and it was five turnovers that did it. So that is always out there. But having said that, USC's lost four of the last five games. They're ripe for the picking. Yeah, I know, but now they're talking about, hey, we got to win these last two to be bowl eligible. Yeah, you say that, but do they really want to be bowl eligible and practice some more? And it seems like this season is over and they're ready to move on. 
If they hadn't lost four out of five, they'd be bowl eligible. Well, if they hadn't lost seven games, they'll be bowl eligible. <laughs> I, mean, I understand what the uh, the numbers are there. Thank you for uh, you know straightening that out. But I, I think this is a dangerous game because at the same time, what do they got to lose? They're playing a nationally ranked team. They're the underdog. We're SC. Jackson Dart didn't want to go to BYU, and he went to SC because it's SC. And now he's the underdog against those guys? Yep. And you got a local kid who was recruited by them. They did, in fact, recruit him. And does he want to lose to these dudes? No. No, I hope you're right, man. I, I want to see them get 10 wins. Last team they held under 30 points was Colorado back on October 2nd. Since then, that defense has been a wreck, and that includes Arizona scoring 34 points on them. Which says a lot. It does. It says that BYU is going to score a lot of points in this game. You're right. USC can score, too. If they win the turnover battle, they win the game, speaking of BYU. But if they do what they did against Boise. Best win for USC so far in their 4-6 and six season at Washington State. Only team they've... Uh, maybe San Jose does have a winning record now. San Jose was 5-5. Five and five. Did they win and get to 6-5? and five? You're all things Mountain West. Yeah, I know. I lost that one. I don't. You're the Hall of Famer. What the hell do I know? They're 5-6. and six. And apparently you've been a Hall of Famer for like six years. No. Like two. Oh, look at him. I've been a Hall of Famer for two years. <laughs> Could you ever imagine me saying that, Yach, ever, ever in your whole freaking life? I've been I can't a Hall ever, of Famer I can't ever for... see me provoking you to say that either. Oh, I know, because you are... Uh, bleep, I agree. Bleep you. I agree. Break bleep time. Bleep you and the horse you, <laughs> you rode, rode in on. on right now. Run out of air when you say that. That would be the only thing to make it better. No, I got plenty of air left on this subject. When we come back, everything you missed in this show, the Utah Jazz losing at home again. That's already three home losses. We will get to that next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After dominating Oregon and winning another South Division title, the Utes will wrap up the regular season with a showdown at Rice-Eccles Stadium against Colorado. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Friday at 1 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Morant pushes the tempo into the front court, spins around an Adams screen, goes into the body of Whiteside, floats it up and in anyway, and Morant gets the hoop, doesn't get the harm. Pick and roll comes to get Bogdanovich on to Morant. He drives, Gobert cuts him off and blocks the shot. Picked up by O'Neal. O'Neal to the front court. O'Neal going coast to coast. Flares to Bogey for a three. Yes! Donovan drives in the lane. Off balance. Throws to Bogey. Four on the clock. Hot corner. Step back three. Yes! Boyan Bogdanovich is marvelous. Here comes Morant across half court. Conley guards him. He attacks in the lane. Throws it back out. Jackson for the lead. It's good. 
5.7 seconds left. Timeout, Jazz. Memphis leads. Morant downhill at Conley to the bucket. Jumps it out. Jackson, three for the lead. Bring it up. Put three on the board. Oh, what a driving kick. And the Grizz are up by one. 119-118. What a turn of events in Salt Lake City. <laughs> there are the lowlights as the Utah Jazz lose an absolutely winnable game. It was there for the taking. Time to recap all the stuff we've been talking about in this show. Things you missed over the course of the last three and a half hours. It's brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for the $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. They started pulling away in the third quarter. PK got the lead to double digits, and they thought, well, here they go. This is going to be classic. Yeah, kind of trade trade hoops, figure it out in the first half, have a little bit of a lead going to halftime, but solve all the problems and build a comfortable lead in the third. But it got up to 10 or 11, and then instead of pushing to 15 or 20, boom, Memphis came right back and tied it. That was the first sign of trouble. There were more to come. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Got a credit Memphis or a young, exciting ball club. Uh, and they look like, I don't know if they'll you know, be a, a serious contender, but they look like they certainly have a playoff future for the next several years. And the Jazz got a little stagnant, man. They've got to clean up some stuff. And it's, it's starting to bug me. This, as you said, four and five in their last nine. Yes. Not nearly good enough. No, no. it's not. Not even close. Mm-hmm. So there are two things that are bugging me. I wonder which one bugs you more. They are giving up a lot of offensive rebounds, 16 more in that game last night, which is six to eight too many. And the turnovers are setting the other team up for easy transition Well, the turnovers points. to me are the overwhelming uh, number one factor because I don't think that overall they're a good rebounding team. You know, they, they, don't, they don't have that second bona fide rebounder in at the same time because they're not playing Whiteside and Gobert together. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be susceptible there. I sort of understood that and thought that that was the way it was going to be. Now you can do things other uh, to, to mitigate it, but the turnover stuff is is bugging me and easy baskets and and jumping in the air. That that that's the turnover that I hear f bombs and from a jerk <laughs> <laughs> and other assorted words that can't yeah. be repeated on the radio. Yeah, when you just jump, you jump in the, the air, air for the heck of it, then you get stuck. There's yeah. nowhere to go. You're coming down. You're about to travel, and yeah. you throw it up for grabs. Yeah, yeah. And smart defenders immediately see you go in the air and immediately start closing in the passing lane. Yeah, because you've be got like a half a second before yep. it's a, and you're better off in a lot of circumstances is just coming down with the ball. And, At least you get the defense yeah, set, right? right. Yeah. But then, but nobody ever does that. No, and they make a pass that just is stupid because they're forced. Don't jump in the air unless there's a purpose behind it. You know what I mean? He used to hammer that on those guys. You can talk to any U of U guy. It's the same thing with dribbling the ball. You just don't dribble it. You're going somewhere. For the the heck of dribbling it. Yep. Uh, So there's plenty of stuff to clean up. That's the positive stuff behind this is that, man, they've got a lot of work to do to get where they want to go. And they also have time on their side. 65 games to go. But they were two games behind last year's pace. Last year this time they were kicking into gear with a long winning streak. They had a loss and then another long winning streak. Yeah, I think the one, number one seed, if it's important, is Gonzo. 
Warriors are 15 and 2, Suns are 14 and 3, and the Suns won their 13th straight game. They executed in the final minutes as they blew a double digit lead, but held it together. Never yeah, they were on it, the road. Never let it get worse than. Uh, I think they were. I mean, San three. Antonio, right? And, and San Antonio isn't as good a team as, good as Memphis. It's good at Memphis, so. Right. But nonetheless, Phoenix did what it took in the final minute to get the win. And the Jazz, for all the ups and downs and mistakes they made over the course of the game, they had a six point lead right there at the end. And in the final minute, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. had a turnover, gave up multiple offensive rebounds, fouled three times, and sent the Grizzlies to the line. And if we've learned anything from analytics, free throws are a very efficient way to score, and you put them at the line three times. Well, two plus the stock, the clock stops, and you're yep. looking for the clock to run. Yep. So it's one of these deals. I think they were up six with a minute something to go. Mm-hmm. And basically, okay, all the things that need to go wrong for us to lose this game yeah. went wrong for you to lose that game. Yeah. And I don't go bear. Man, if you're up by two and you're on the you're at home, you know teams are going to be looking for threes. They just assume if they've got a good three, they would take it rat almost to the point of taking a layup because they don't want to go overtime. They want to close it out right then, and Gobert gets himself in no man's land there, not close enough to Morant to do anything, but far enough away from Jackson to allow Jackson time to line it up. If you can line up a putt from three, unless you're a total bricklayer, your chances of having that thing go in, I think, go up substantially. So if you stick with a three-point shooter, even if Morant makes the bucket, and he may not, he was not having a great shooting night, there was some. You still have the ball with a chance to win a regulation. Being contested, and if not, you go to overtime. Yeah, and then if Jackson puts the ball on the floor and takes it to the hole, more power to you, JJ. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, but having Gobert having to close out late on a three, I can do that. I don't need to be the best defensive player in the world to do that. Because obviously, it had zero effect on Jackson taking the shot and making the shot. They waste a great night shooting the three from Bogey, who hit two oh, big threes wow. late. He was 7 of 11 from three. Yeah, he had it going on. That second one was just I awesome. know. That was outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> that was really good. First one I expect. The second one, yeah. uh, guys in your face, fade away. You're already up against the sideline as it is. Yep. Jazz bench is right behind you going yeah, nuts. Yeah, that, that was sweet. And then with a minute 20 to go in the game, they foul three times and give up a three-pointer. Boof! They got to buckle down, man. I don't know what it is, but they that is they basically what was said in the post game by Mike Conley. Conley? Oh yeah. yeah, he's the voice of reason. Yep. This is this is about focus and yeah. attention to detail and getting locked in, and they get locked in, and that's why they go on a run and go up by ten or eleven, right? And then they immediately lose the focus. And Quinn was asked about closing out quarters and basically said the same thing Conley said. Yeah. For sure, yeah. And My, Rudy acknowledged he, you know, blew it, getting sucked into the paint too far on that possession. So they know everything. Don, I know, right? Donovan Mitchell came out and sound uh, sounded like a kid who'd been scolded by a parent, you know, and he knew it. Like, oh, I got in trouble. I knew it. Dad busted me. Well, that's what I said earlier this morning that these guys know all the particulars and they're not much on excuses. 
so that's why when they do complain about a ref or what have you, it, it, to me it has a little bit of credence that, because they don't do it yeah, very often. There was a call at the end of the game. Rudy only talked about it because he was asked specifically about it. That was bizarre. It was, <laughs> it was totally bizarre. I see something. No, I don't. Now it's a jump ball, even though you had the ball. And I it's don't frustrating. know what that was about. I mean, don't, that, don't get in the situation where one call can... Yeah, I don't know why they made that. I I still even now why hours the after, I don't understand it. Yeah, and I had I've I don't have any uh, official official explanation. Right? Did they didn't give any? There was oh, no, it came out on well. No, there was no I don't know that it did. I don't know that I saw the pool thing. I, I, I saw the rule. It. I saw the rule out there. Um, yeah, I got the rule, but right. I, I I don't know why they called what they called. Yeah. I still don't they, understand it. We can go to Secaucus. We can go to Rome. <laughs> we can go wherever we want. Of, I thought of you when Bowler said that. <laughs> right, we're going to Secaucus. I've been to Secaucus. You have been. It's in Jersey, <laughs> not far from where you grew up. True. Uh, the other thing we talked, we had Frank Dolce on earlier. You'd insider, uh, and he says. Oregon 1, Oregon State 2, Wazoo 3. Don't put the 7-5 and five team in the conference title game. That's just a chance for America to make fun of the Pac-12 again. Get the ranked Oregon team in there so when the Utes win, they jump in the rankings again, if they win. That's what I want. Win. I want them. I want the Utes to, f- to face ranked teams. Uh, obviously, and, Colorado isn't going to be ranked, but I want the ranked team in the conference title game, and I want it in the Rose Bowl. I would assume, then, that when you get to the Rose Bowl, the Big Ten will be providing a top-ten opponent. They'll have somebody in the, uh, in the unless, playoff. Unless Ohio State's up 54 to nothing at halftime. That could be a problem. Yeah. But maybe Michigan State wins and moves up. Other teams are going to be losing here. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State loser is going to drop. Uh, yeah, it depends, though. There'll be some upsets. If there's a, a close game. But, I mean, the highest-ranked p- team possible, if you're going to go to the Rose Bowl, uh, you know, get, get as much bang for your buck. Uh, if you win, if you lose, you still went to the Rose Bowl. And at the same time, I believe in this team very much. This team is getting better. I mean, it, that's the great thing about it. No doubt about that. I, mean, I realize the Arizona thing, but, I, you know, I was there. It was, it was hot. It was... It was and you're playing a garbage team, and there's no atmosphere in that stadium. So, and, and they, you were gonna blow them out until the punt block, and they did <laughs> what they did. Uh, yeah. So actually, you know, I think the Arizona game was the best case scenario, though. Got them focused for the Oregon game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. won. They got a scare, but they got a win. Right. And then they come back knowing full darn well. As I, I asked Cam Rising after that game, as, as in, in Tucson. Okay, I mean, you did what you did, but if you play like this next week, you're in trouble. And he, you know, obviously, they acknowledged it, and they didn't. They got so focused, they blew the freaking doors off the ducks. And that was a beautiful thing to see. <laughs> DJ and PK, you're up to speed. Your feedback is coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Join Jake and Ben Friday from 10 to noon at the Hot Tub Factory Outlet Black Friday Sale in Draper next to Cowabunga Bay. 12101 Factory Outlet Drive, 121st South. It's Factory Outlet Drive. DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback. Greg says the Jazz' lack of effort on the glass and failure to stay in front of their man on defense is beginning to look habitual. Habitual. That's wow. A, that's a good word. That's a big yeah. word for Twitter. Uh, I'm, and I'm with you on the rebounds. I'm a little harder on the rebounds than you are. And if you want to prioritize turnovers over the offensive rebounds, uh, that's fine because the, the the turnovers have set up fast break points that have been an well, issue. Well, I mean, Bogey's never going to turn into a good rebounder. It's never going to happen. 
Block out your guy. It, chase down long threes. It's never going to happen. I agree it probably isn't, but there's no reason it couldn't. <laughs> and so it bugs me not, because it could happen. He didn't get paid to rebound. It could happen. But the turnovers are the thing that if you're trying to fix the most fixable, that's it. They both seem fixable to me. Yeah, okay. But they won't be. All of a sudden, uh, Bogdanovich, man, starting tomorrow, I'm going to start calling him Wes Unseld. (laughs) That's old school. (laughs) Wes Unseld was a great rebounder, kids. Wes was. I don't know why I thought of that. Wes was the man. Well, he was when you were a kid here on the East Coast. He was he was elite. Wasn't he an undersized tough guy? Yes, he was. Yeah, six six playing center against all these seven footers. Yeah, throwing elbows, battling with guys. He'll get that rebound. Okay, I'm going to start calling Bogey Wes. (laughs) <laughs> they've got uh, you look at the rebounds the guards for the Grizzlies each have four rebounds and I get that you know you don't have a power forward who's going to go out there and get you ten but go get them everybody's getting rebounds there's a bunch of long rebounds to be had go get them does the power forward exist anymore not really they just call someone that I mean it's four do they still it's four out. They still say power forward. If you look at a box score, they label someone power forward. But to your point, there's four guys on the three-point line and maybe one big guy in the paint. Nobody's playing two guys inside and three out anymore. Wes Unsell averaged 14 boards yeah. in his career. That's, he, was, he was elite. I don't know how many times he was an all-star, but that, that dude was top shelf. He was a really good He only player. averaged 10 points. Yeah. Retired at age 34. Young. More feedback. <laughs> Just heard you say San Bernardino. Where are you? How are you hanging on? Who that will never years? not be funny. Matt, just Matt sending that in. Uh, I agreed. It'll always be funny, yeah. But I didn't. When did you say San Bernardino? It was in the update with Caleb Hayes, who he's from San Bernardino. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Mike's still mad at the refs. The toss on that jump ball last night wasn't all that straight up either. What a Polly Wally crappy finish, really, all around by the crew and the Jazz. Woof! <laughs> so it was slanted towards, uh, who was it, Jackson? Is he the one who jumped? Uh huh. I did not notice the. Yeah, Rudy, Rudy of you the could toss. tell by the way Rudy jumped. Rudy jumped to get to it. He jumped across well, the line. You think that it was like a Donaghy? You think it was on the no. take? No, I just think he didn't throw it up straight. <laughs> You throw up a bunch of jump balls and see how perfectly straight they are. There's a reason that, that they've been trying to minimize jump balls in college and pro basketball. They, they often are off. And then guys try to sneak the tip well, and all that. Toss it up in the air yeah. two, three feet. Yeah. Just hire long snappers. That's all they do. <laughs> You're right, actually. That Just would be toss good. toss it up. There should be a designated designated. And then when the team upper. gets the ball, as long as it's not like a fast break deal, you just hold on a second. Who's the, he goes to the sidelines. The other ref comes in. Now we go. Who's the DTU? The designated tosser upper. Yeah. Bring him in. You get a pizza guy doing it. Chuck the pizza in the air. <laughs> all right, DJ and PK. That's going to do it for us. Uh, Jazz Phone Finger will give him the blast word. It's November. You guys chill. We don't want to be peaking right now anyway. Well, by definition, I do chill in November. She gets a little colder. All right. On weather humor, that's the end of that. When we come back, we won't be here, and Jake and Ben will be. Next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.